What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you haven't been rocking one of those Mystery Ranch Fireline packs for quite some time, well, you're doing it wrong. Your back probably really, really hurts. They make arguably the most comfortable, most well-built Fireline pack out there. But did you also know that they make a ton of other stuff? They make everyday carry stuff. They make epic hunting stuff. They make the finest load-bearing essentials probably on, you know, United States, at least if it's not in the world. Yeah. So if you guys want to get some of the finest load bearing essentials, well, it's easy to do. Go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check them out. Oh, did I forget to mention also that they are giving back to the community. They are starting the 1039 scholarship program, which you'll be hearing about here shortly. It is almost live, ladies and gentlemen which is dope. It's going to be tied in with also the Backbone series, which is going to highlight the backbone of the wildland fire firefighting forces in the United States. The 1039 seasonal. See how they kind of go together there. I'm super excited to be working on this project with them. In fact, I just got back from good old Bozeman, Montana. Had an awesome couple of sit downs with some of the people over there and their fire program manager, Mr. Dana Gleason himself. And we're going to be launching that here shortly. So look for that coming down the line. It's going to be the Backbone Series and the 1039 Scholarship Program. So look for that one more time over at www.mysteryranch.com. It's coming soon. The Anger Point Podcast is also brought to you by our latest and greatest sponsor. Who is that? Well, it is none other than Manscaped. And yes, your balls will thank you. Manscaped is actually pretty cool. Um, I know that 2020 has been one of those years that well, things that have been happening that are completely out of our control, but hey, Manscaped wants to remind you that there are some things you can control, like the length of your unruly bush, but good for you. They have the Lawnmower 3.0. Oh yeah. It's the newest, latest, and greatest upgrade. It's got the skin safe technology. It's waterproof and it's got a sweet light in case you want to uh, trim the old downstairs in the dark in the shower. You can do that. Wouldn't advocate for it, but hey, if it's your thing, knock yourself out. They also offer a ton of other stuff. They even have the Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is pretty cool. Stainless steel, badass uh, toenail cutters. And I know you firefighters out there have some gnarly ass feet. So check those out as well. They also have the crop preserver, which is some anti-chafing ball deodorant. Uh-huh. Yeah. We know how uh, sweat and dirt and all that other stuff kind of leads to some chafing problems. And uh, yeah, this is one of those solutions that will help you along the way. But listeners to the Anchor Point podcast can get 20% off plus free shipping site-wide. Oh, yeah. On all Manscaped products, which is pretty damn cool, by using the code ANCHORPOINT at checkout. Yeah. Now, once again, that is 20% off with free shipping at www.manscaped.com. Go check them out. Makes great gifts. Holidays are coming up. Think about it. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor. Who is that? Well, you know who it is. You got to know who it is by now, but it is none other than Hotshot Brewery. Kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So if you guys want to help support some good coffee for some good causes, well, look no further than Hotshot Brewery. And in addition to some kick-ass coffee for some kick-ass causes, they have a full line of wildland firefighting themed apparel 
Yeah, pretty sweet. So if you guys want to go get a uh, sweet t-shirt or even better, some of those tools of the trade to get your morning started off right, head over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check out their full line of everything they have to offer. Pretty dope stuff. In addition to that, they also support the Anchor Point podcast by slinging our merch. So if you're looking for a Firefiend tee or one of those Band of Brothers tees or hell, we even got them in OD Green now, which is pretty cool or some stickers or whatever. Swing over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and pick up some swag. The Anchor Point Podcast would also like to give a little shout out to our buddy Booze over at the Ass Movement. What is that you might ask? Well, it is the anti-surface shitting movement, which I wholeheartedly advocate. Stop pooping on the ground and stop not burying your crap. It's it stop it's, it's disgusting. Why do people do this? Even Steve Ranella from the Meat Eater Podcast once compared surface shitters to tweakers. That's pretty bad. So obviously it's a problem. So if you want to see your public lands get cleaned up and you want to do your part in being a steward of the land, well, swing over to www.thefirewild.com and pick up some ass movement stickers or patches or posters or anything that they have to offer. They even got magnets, which is pretty cool. So if you want to represent and spread the message and do your part to spread the message of cleaning up your mess, and that extends you know, past the surface pooping issue that even extends to the bring back more than you took mentality. So if you guys see trash out there, definitely clean it up and spread the message, kind of advocate for that. So once again, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American wildfire experience, which is pretty damn cool. If you guys don't know what it is yet, after I've been preaching it for the past, however many episodes I've done, well, go over there, do yourself a service and check it out. It's a collection. It's a digital catalog, uh, an archive of sorts of wildland firefighting stories from all over the world now, dating back to the 1940s. It's pretty damn cool. So if you guys want a little history lesson or a trip down memory lane, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. And check this out. Bethany's got a kick-ass organization going on over there. And she is giving back to the community by doling out some $500 grants for you folks in the field that are telling the story of wildland fire. It's pretty awesome. So I know that 2020 is closed, but 2021 is right around the corner. If you guys want your opportunity then go over to that website. Go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and apply for those grants. So if you happen to be a writer, a blogger, cinematographer, a blogger, any of those things that are telling the story of wildland fire globally now, yeah, this is a global affair, go over to that website and check it out. Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization. Keep doing what you're doing. Podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. 
and wow this season is dragging so uh yeah to all you folks on the line uh hats off to you hope you guys are doing uh, guys and girls are doing well and uh yeah stay safe with a season like this where it's just on and on and on and dragging on uh yeah we're uh it's getting to that point where that fatigue is going to start setting in and i don't want anybody to get hurt out there on the line so keep your head on swivel make sure you guys are resting keep your nutrition up anyways today on the show we have one of my good buddies actually i've known him for quite a long time we shot a little three gun and uh yeah he's a cool dude and he also happens to be a cal fire guy oh yeah so we got our first cal fire firefighter on the show today and we're gonna talk about that little bit of a disconnect between the feds and cal fire it's a pretty long episode it's uh definitely cool but it's very eye-opening because we talk about a lot of uh those things that the feds have to deal with the a lot of things that cal fire has to deal with all in a positive light of course and uh we kind of have to come to the conclusion that the grass may not be greener on the other side because if you switch agencies well you might have to deal with the same stuff on the other side so we're going to talk about the different missions we're going to talk about his life in the military we're going to talk about his advocacy for seeing federal firefighters uh sorry federal forestry technicians correction get the equal treatment that they deserve and i never thought that we'd have a cal fire uh person advocating for that but here we are so without further ado i'd like to introduce my good friend prene munger milani welcome to the anchor point ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode of the anchor point podcast and guess what i'm gonna just butcher your name dude are you ready for this <laughs> i'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck this up <laughs> okay i'm gonna try it Prene. Right. <laughs> so on the podcast today we have Brené Mangru. <laughs> you just do it, dude. I can't do it. Uh, my name is John Smith, actually. <laughs> it's uh, Brené Munger Milani. Munger Milani. See, I told you I'd Munger Milani. Yeah, or Alphabet Soup. That's from the drill instructor, <laughs> basic training. Alphabet Soup. Thirteen letters in that. You know. Yeah, it's a pretty long last name, dude. And uh, it's a very uncommon name. It's not like John Smith, but it's a unique one. So it's easy to remember right. if you don't compare you to fire service, too. You don't, you don't get, you know, you think you're probably some IT guy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Uh, yeah, man. So uh, it was a hard one. Um, yeah. So I work for Cal Fire, uh, a seasonal firefighter with that agency been doing that for about a half dozen years, uh, just under. And, um, yeah, just, just love it, man. It's a fun job, you know, reach out to you. Wanted to bust out a podcast, try to get the message pushed out. Um, I'm sure we'll hit that with subject. And most people listening to this podcast know you 2020 has been an unprecedented year with the amount of acres burned and, um, yeah, just trying to get the message out and trying to try to do some good work out here. And yeah, not, not much, man. Yeah. See, every firefighter doesn't like talking about themselves. That's kind of a yeah, thing. And then you probably ask me more questions and then I'll stop. You know, can't stop talking. <laughs> it's usually how it goes. But yeah, dude, we've known each other for quite a bit of time. Like uh, we've, we even ran into each other at Chacho. Right. Yeah, we did. Yeah. 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 So both of, yeah, kind of that interesting connection. They're both, you know, working at the wildland fire type of thing and then also involved heavily in the gun industry. So yeah, it's pretty unique. Just walking around. Where did we meet at? What what booth was that? I think it was outside of like Daniel Defense or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Something. Well, we, yeah, yeah. It was 
what, two years ago? No, last year. It was last year, right? Last year. We'll see if it even happens this year. I don't even know. I don't think it's going to happen personally. I don't think uh, with what's going on with the coronavirus and all that hubbub uh, and the crowd control limitations that are placed on that, I don't think that shot show is going to happen, man. Yeah, I, I don't foresee that as well. I mean, we just booked some of the hotels over at the gun shop, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, man. So you are the first Cal Fire guy on the show. So you have the enormous honor of being Cal Fire on the show here. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Jeez, all the Cal Fire guys are like, do not screw this up. (laughs) No pressure, man. No pressure. But yeah, I know there's a lot of rules with Cal Fire and how they approach their public outreach. But yeah, they wrote off on your show and you're good to go. Yeah. You know, I'm actually kind of kind of blessed here i'm actually in my home uh today so finally had uh, a few days off which was very nice and um <clears throat> you know it's been hard we're uh <laughs> it's like we're getting a nine to five job monday through friday and you requesting time off for your saturday and sunday and that's kind of like the level of staffing that we're at this year um due to you know COVID 19 there's been some limitations staffing is always an issue with any fire service agency i'd say nationwide not having enough applicants and attrition discipline things like that people moving on promotions um so that's always there and definitely with calpar there's been a huge issue that our union's been pushing and the department as a whole so just with that and then throw in not just a normal as we call in california you know a normal fire season which is still very destructive in itself but completely on the other end, like we were talking 4 million plus acres that completely just killed staffing and morale for a whole agency. So we're all trying to enjoy the 48, 96, 72 hours, whatever it might be off that we're actually getting during the summertime, which is, uh, which is crazy. Um, I'm over here talking to people, Hey man, I got four days off and, and guys at work and gals at work are like, you had four days off. Like you lucky SOB. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah four days off i mean it's it's uh absolutely wild so uh my hat is off to some people who've been on the line for 80 plus days oh yeah man well that's the crazy thing too is like i know that the rules for cal fire are a lot different than the fed side of things and the contractor side of things so that's that's one interesting thing that i wanted to bring up though it's like cal fire is there's a lot of disconnect between fed service and cal fire and i think this episode will clear some of those up but we'll get into that later. Let's talk about your military experience, man. So you are, you got like the jack of all trades. You were, <laughs> yeah, you're a vet. You've done some fed service, you're Cal fire and you were an LEO at one point in your life. So how did all this whole thing like culminate into jumping into Cal fire? <clears throat> Just weird. So I can I get that a lot and definitely the odd one out of the bunch. I, uh, so grew up in the San Francisco Bay area, um, the Eastern Bay area and, uh, grew up to, to uh, you know, immigrant mother and father <clears throat> came from India and, uh, I kind of wanted to do something different. You know, typically I mentioned the became podcast, you know, that's just the fact is you're looking at someone from that, uh, Asian or East Indian heritage. They're going to be in the healthcare industry in the tech world. I mean, Silicon Valley is right there in my front door, huge. And I never really was interested in it. I was never the best in school, working the academic portion. And honestly, I wasn't the best sportsman. I played baseball all the time. That was my sport of choice, wrestled a little bit. But I never was like, man, it just never really did it for me. I was that odd man out. 
So I actually got into Boy Scouts. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, it's kind of interesting. And dude, I fell in love with it. It was super cool. The Boy Scout troop I was at was super proactive. I got to see some places in California that I'd never been. And it was kind of full circle. My first, and I'll get to that. My, my first uh, backpacking trip was actually in Sequoia National Park down there, just uh, east of Fresno and Visalia, uh, the southern part of the Sierras. And I completely fell in love with the outdoors and did all that. Went up that ranks, got my Eagle Scout. And um, the Eagle Scout project, I actually did it with Cal Fire in the Santa Clara unit. It's an old station and I actually painted 47 fire hydrants. And I did that because I knew at the time <clears throat> I saw this, uh, we worked on a first aid merit badge and there was actually a mock car accident. The fire department rolled in. It was actually San Ramon Valley fire rolled in and, uh, they set up this whole thing with extrication and this fake moulage, all blood and all this stuff. So triage as boy scouts, what to do, how to even call 911. It was that legit. We actually had called the called dispatch. And they actually sent the fire engine, a ladder truck, which were parked behind the bushes outside of a little high school where we were at. And uh, that opened my eyes to it. So kind of fell in love with it. From there. There. Yeah, yeah. Went through there and, and got hired by the park service. Uh, it was where, you know, Sequoia Kings Canyon, we're from the National Park Service on a Type 3 down there. Um, dabbled around a little bit with fire prevention stuff. And it was working seasonal. And back to your question, you're asking, you know, <clears throat> I was looking at doing something a little bit bigger than that. So, uh, enlisted in the California Air National Guard, so through the United States Air Force, and went to basic training out there in, in Lapland uh, Air Force Base, San Antonio, Texas, and then did my technical training out at Fort Leonard Wood Army uh, Base in Missouri. So I was out That's there where my wife was born. She was uh, she's a military brat. Yeah, she was. Oh, really? born, yeah, she at? was born out of uh, Fort Leonard Wood, actually. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> she doesn't remember. They moved over here, oh, like shortly cool. after that. So. I'm not a humidity guy. West Coast. I don't boy, think anybody so is. I was like, oh, tornado warnings. I was like, what in the hell is this? In the shower. Clearly remember it. You know, taking three, four showers a day, you walk out and you're drenched in sweat already. And the next thing you know, these bugs, I don't know what the hell they are flying around, flying an aircraft. And uh, <laughs> they spool up like a helicopter. Oh, yeah. You're like, what? That knock you in your face. And uh, tornado warnings scared shitless so this is bullshit i'm going back in the house <laughs> Dude, have you have you ever seen an actual tornado yeah I mean, we saw like little funnel clouds know, or yeah like little little funnel starting way off i mean probably 50 60 miles way out you know there's no mountains out there everything's flat so i saw one of those actually just driving to st louis or going out there and i was like oh interesting but no i've never seen a full one you know i mean fire tornadoes i guess you know yeah you know. the fire nato <laughs> but yeah, dude. So one thing I've always noticed about uh, tornado warnings and like that that cloud, that color that it makes, that like weird emerald green blue color that it makes. Yeah, eerie. It's like, super eerie, dude. That's what people say. You know, say I've never moved out to California because have fires and earthquakes. And uh, I was like, no, 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 hold on. I'm not messing with hurricanes and tornadoes, blizzards, none of that. Except this year, right? I think California, we successfully burnt 90% of the whole state. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. What was it? Would you say it was like 4.1 million acres or something like that in California yeah. alone? Yeah. Just in one year in fire season. I, th I think our statistics said um, since 1933, since we started actually like documenting fire growth and progression, progression, excuse me, it's been the largest. I mean, 1933, that was 100 years ago. I mean, 4 million acres. You look at the map of that August complex we were talking about, which is 1 point something million. And we're, 
bigger than Rhode Island. I mean, you look at it and it's successfully like, I don't know if there's much left in the Mendocino national forest, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know if there's much left. It's freaking crazy, man. And that's like, I think it was categorized as, I mean, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, I think it's the first gigafire of right. California. First fire over a million acres in California, I believe. And yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, have it. I don't have a young Jamie to fact check me here, but you know, <laughs> that's what I've heard at least from reading in the news. Yeah. I know. I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, a million acres. It's, it's hard for us to even be like, what, you know, and even still, it looks like that they're not, it's not too far away from that Zog fire, you know, which was in Shasta County. And I think a little bit in Tehama as well. And you look at that and you look at the mug, I mean, they're pretty close. I'm like, man, are these things that, you know, convene themselves? Who knows? You know I mean? Luckily that one's the percentage is, is, is high. The Zog fire, you know, somewhere in the 90% percentile already last time I checked, but as far as containment goes, yeah. Yeah. Something like that it was on the, the Cal fire website, pretty good resource for that. But. Well, that's another thing too, that kind of scares me about this fire season in particular. I mean, this fire season has been a dumpster fire. I mean, let's, it's been crazy, but the thing that concerns me the most is it's not even Santa Ana season yet. That's what's crazy. Cause now SoCal is going to start popping off any day now. Absolutely. And, uh, that's the hard part about it. You know, I linked up with those black rifle coffee company guys. He knocked out a podcast with them as well. And, and they talked about it and, uh, they said, and when you look at it, campfire 2018, right. That was, uh, November. Yeah. And it was like Thomas, right after my bachelor party. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think I got off that fire close to what a week or something before Christmas, Jesus a week or two before. And, uh, the Thomas fire, you know, that was, these are all fires in November, December, the Napa fires, uh, they were there. Those were what February, March, early spring. So, so you look at all these fires in the September, October, November, December months, it's like, they're all there. You know I mean? Fire season is not uh, a thing anymore where it's like summertime. We're like, Oh, June and July. Not at all. I mean, you're looking at these thousand hour fuels, things like that burning. You're looking at these huge wind events. We have these North wind events are extremely notorious for Northern California. Um, blowing out of there, coming out of the four corners, pushing out this, this, this flow of the United States and coming down there from that whole I five corridor from, you know, Southern Siskiyou County, all the way blowing I five and then kind of settling out just North of the Bay area over there or in the Bay area, the whole five, five Oh five corridor, five eighty six eighty. And then boom, you have these, uh, these, these, uh, winds coming in Santa Ana. So yeah, that, that's the part I'm kind of nervous about here. Um, just with the, the amount of fire that we've seen this year, it's like, there's still that possibility, definitely a very, very high possibility of, of, of these more large scale fires burning in the South, even in the North too, I should even say the Zog fire and the, um, there's the glass fire down there in Lake Napa unit and in mm-hmm. Napa, St. Helena County. Those are both North wind red flag days that kicked off and um you know we're at the zog fire and we're just like dude it is so windy outside we stepped out of our hotel room and looked up and uh i was like oh that's a column so (laughs) (laughs) off to the races yep and that was in the rest of history so well then you had that that massive lightning bus that came through and it was like just shy of 1800 new starts or something like that dude yeah i i totally misquote it but I want to say it was something like 20,000 positive lightning strikes. Those are confirmed down strikes. Yeah. Confirmed. Like, hold on. I was actually on my six year, you know, 
anniversary. And uh, we were up in, in Northern Oregon. And I'm sitting there with the other half and we were like, looking on the news on my phone. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I, I remember staring at her. I was like, I'm not coming back. <laughs> this is like, it guys. <laughs> oh, I told her, I was like, I'm not coming back. She said, what? And I was like, Nope. <clears throat> looking at all those confirmed strikes. And then I saw a little fire started popping up a little smokes here and there. And I was like, Oh geez. Sure enough. Within 48 hours later, I was at the, you know, Santa Clara complex down in the Bay area. And I was like, Oh, oh man. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was wild. I was like, I haven't seen so many. I think, you know, this is pretty bad time, but I think you said that 08 was a pretty severe lightning year, 07, 08. And uh, I'm sure some, some folks can probably comment on that and, and correct me that it was a pretty big year for lightning bus in California. Um, but it was nothing like I've seen. I was like, that was, there was, there was so many fires. And still, I mean, like you look at the August complex and you look at some of these fires that are still burning. I mean, those were... Um, these in the North complex, these are all still from that, that lightning bus that are still burning out there. Oh yeah. So, and that August complex, especially it's going to keep burning, man. It's yeah, they're I, not done. <laughs> no, not at all. So, and, uh, I, I think that, um, you'd want to say that there's enough land to burn. And I, I don't even know. Sometimes we think about it and it's like, is, is there still more land to burn in California? Yeah. I don't think there's going to be much more land to burn, especially after this season. But th- then again, too, I mean, this is not just a cal- like a problem that's isolated in California. This is something that expends, extends up to the Pacific Northwest as, as well. I mean, you had, what was that? The Beachy Creek fire up in Oregon. Right. Dude, holy crap. That East Wind event came through and just started, that fire just started marching along. You know, that's the thing. I think that also is we look at California fire seasons. We look at California, California, California. Excuse the background noise here. Some uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company has been calling my name right here. So <laughs> shameless plug. No, I got I to re-up here and, and hit up the little Keurig pod. So there we go. Um, but you look at that, California, and we're like, hey, well, it's California fire season. It's California, California burns well look at what happened in oregon like you said look what happened in washington this year i mean it's not so much just a california issue it's a west coast issue even nevada and and correct me if i'm wrong i think there's just a new start in the reno area a couple days ago right there was yeah i forget the name of it but uh they got a they got a pin down on it and it is over towards like cold springs area which is very fire prone area going up towards like doyle and going that that road 395 going up to susanville so absolutely yeah just on the bottom um, just here in my hometown, you know, I reside here in Southern Oregon. I know, you know, we had the Almeda fire, which was crazy. Was, yeah, man. So, um, you know, the, uh, partner, her, uh, her mom, you know, her grandmother got evacuated herself and that was something pretty, pretty crazy. Cause I think as, as, as firefighters were, we're so used to it. You know, it's like, man, it must be a crazy job. You know, it must be, thank you for your service. You get that a lot and you become, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's just the job. But we're surrounded by them the whole, you know, nine months out of the year. But the big thing is too, is you get used to saying that so much when in fact that people shouldn't be used to it. Yeah. They shouldn't be used to saying, you know, like, oh, it's just another home. It's just another home. We've all seen hundreds of homes go down and unfortunately seen a lot of death as well. 
but it hit a little bit different this year because it was my hometown. Well, it always hits yeah. a little bit different when it's like in your back door, you know, it is. And, and there's been so many, um, you know, firefighters, you know, from the, the forest service, the BLM, all the different natural resources agencies, Cal fire. I think I just saw a post too about a Santa Rosa firefighter who lost his home in this last uh, LNU complex and the glass fire that, you know, lost his end. So, you know, we're just people too. So it's sad. It's always sad to see one of our brothers and sisters go home as well. That touches a little bit different. And, and just to see going down the road to the local supermarket and saying, Oh, that's not there anymore. You know, that's my buddy's house. It's not there anymore. And looking outside and just seeing the rubble and destruction, it's just different. And that's a, that's a real shitty deal about that whole fire. The Alameda fire is there was nothing that we could have done. There's nothing. I mean, it was an East wind event day. It was one of those, well, not necessarily East wind, but I guess South Easterly. South. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it was blowing up North. So Southern, yeah, it came out of the South, which is very weird, super weird, but it was like extreme winds and it's, it started in Ashland. Correct me if I'm wrong here. It started in Ashland, ripped all yeah. the way along the I five corridor through talent through Phoenix and stopped at Medford. It did. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm in, I'm in Medford and uh, that's where <clears throat> it wasn't, you know, too far away. And then, so I, yeah, it was crazy. So I was sitting at home actually, it was actually, my, um, you know, family members birthday. So I had, I had two days off 48 hour union, you know, MOU vacation. So I was actually home and that was day two and I uh, just came off the Santa Clara complex. And uh, I remember seeing a call, actually it started with group text, you know, the, um, her family started texting me and say, Hey, there's a new you know, vegetation fire, ah, whatever. You know, they happen all the time. Yeah. You get used you to it. You kind of normalize it. <laughs> right. Which to us is normal. That's something that was going on, like the, the normalization of it. And I was like, Oh, I'm sure they got a handle on it. Something like that. And I was like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I actually played it off a little bit just to my family members. And I was like, yeah. And then I remember walking outside and I saw a column from Medford. I was only looking, looking South and I was, Holy shit. And I was like, it was just an angry column. And then, of course, I have plenty of friends who are in the fire service here in Southern Oregon and also, uh, you know, in law enforcement and me talking to them on the phone. And I was like, oh, wow. And just chewing through homes, man. And that yeah. was crazy. So the VLAT dropped in our neighborhood. I mean, direct hits on homes, uh, VLAT drop. And Medford is actually a VLAT base. Um, thank God. I mean, I that was a huge part about it. I mean, the next closest one is McClellan down in Sacramento, uh, greater Sacramento area. So, I mean, they were just doing load and returns right here. I mean, quick, I mean, five minute turnarounds, which was awesome. So I think they had two, uh, tanker, nine, 10, nine, 11, I believe was just back and forth, back and forth. Pretty much just orbiting that Southern Oregon area. That was it. Dude, direct drops on I-5 because they jumped I-5, went back and, and we saw them. I mean, just doing drops literally right on the freeway, right on homes. I mean, it was so windy. It was one of those things that you can talk politics and whatever and get into what maybe, you know, fueled it. But I mean, it was fast wind yeah, and it was hot and it was dry period dot end, you know, and there was nothing that you can do. Talk to some of the firefighters on there and they're like, yeah, we had no chance. No, there's no, no there's no chance in that. And you could, yeah, like you're yeah. saying, man, you could talk politics, you could talk fuels management, you could talk about climate change, you could talk about all this stuff. But in reality, at the end of the day, it was the perfect storm. And what are you going to do? What can you do in that situation? The only thing you could do is evacuate and maybe point protect. That's about it. That's life, it. Yeah, it's I'm life over that. property, life over property, period. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the one thing that's what I mean. That's why the whole evacuation stuff, the, the Nixle systems, the pulse point apps, all these different resources with 
the century that we have with all the technology, I mean, that's the only thing you can get into is just to get out and leave. But it's so hard because I cannot imagine right now. And, and luckily, I have been fortunate enough to never to have evacuate my home um, for a natural disaster, wildfire flood. Um, but so, so many people have, and that's something where, um, you know, I'm very humble for, but <clears throat> just seeing the reaction of some family members, you know, like it's, it's so easy. I think, I think that's a big, it's so easy for us to say, you need to evacuate your home. You, that's why insurance policies are there. Mm-hmm. You need to leave. And then this year I had my mind a little bit open to that. I mean, yes, absolutely. You know, we were telling people the Zog fire, you need to leave, you need to leave now. And and every year we do that with these urban interface fires, but actually telling like a family member, be like all these heirlooms that you've had from your grandfather in the twenties and the thirties, like they're gone. They're going to burn. You're never going to see them again. The house is gone. You're not going to have shit, you know, and especially being lower income. Do you have fire insurance? No. Absolutely not. So it shit. Even then, some of those errors you can't insure with fire insurance. They're uninsurable. I know. Like you're never gonna get a um. What is it called? What is it called when trees? You know, like the carving. What do they call that again? People try. uh, What am I thinking of? Like uh, wood carving. Like wood, wood. Hold on. What what are you talking about here? <laughs> wood, wood carvings, like like oh, like uh, yeah, the engravings and shit like that, like priceless, yeah, priceless wood, wood carvings, yeah, yeah. You see them sometimes in one one up there in Humboldt and 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 totems, totems. totems that's what they're called. Yeah, the totem poles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that took that took some mental fortitude. You see totem poles and things like that, and and all these wood carvings, and so that was one thing, right? It was passed down family member to family member to family member. Yeah, and uh, you know, a, a hand wooden car. I mean, that's not replaceable. You know, I get that back. And uh, seeing their reaction on their face, and like, we don't have room in the car for this. You know, it's like I care about you. Uh, like, you need to get in the car and leave. And that was one of the hardest things that it, it hit me a little bit after. It was like, I couldn't imagine. Like, I couldn't imagine. And so easiest for say, because obviously, you know, life is way more important to that, but even still, you know, so it's hard. So it hit me a little bit different this year, for sure. Having family members having to evacuate. Definitely, a, definitely a change. So. Yeah, man. When it hits a little bit closer to home, it's always personal. And that's, that's one thing uh, where I had to like one point in my career, I had to uh, cut line basically around a home that I used to live in. And it's one of my best friends, family homes out in the middle of Palomino Valley. And uh, yeah, it was a little personal. That's like, if they lost that home, man, I was like, oh man, I'd feel horrible because I was assigned inadvertently. Mind you, I wasn't, I didn't take this assignment to go specifically to this house. I was assigned to it randomly. It was personal, man. And having that disconnect to where you're like, okay, I have a protocol. We have to do structured triage. We have to do this. We have to evacuate, evacuate, go around basically and knock on people's doors and ask them to leave. We that's, that's hard, man. I mean, I know all these neighbors. I, I lived there, you know, I know all these people. Right. Yeah, it, like you said, man, I mean, you had a, exactly a similar experience to me. And I think that's, I don't know. It's, it's part of the job. You know, it's one of those things that we signed up for and we got to deal with it. And, uh, of course there's resources and things like that for us to reach out for and, and all that, which, which Cal fire has been great about, um, you know, having emotional support and counselors and therapy and et cetera, et cetera. So, that, so that's been great. The whole wellness side of our, of our agency to support that. Yeah. You However, guys, yeah. You guys have a pretty 
pretty bomber, like not an EAP program. You guys call it something different, but you guys have the support structure, unlike the feds, unfortunately. Mm. So. Yep. That's yeah. <laughs> nice yeah. eye roll there, bud. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I hear you, man. I mean, we'll touch on that subject here in a sec, but yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a hard, that's a hard part about it. It, it. As much as you can prepare yourself for it, prepare yourself for it. There's nothing like, you know, a, a child or another human being or another home's belonging. And you see the pictures and, and no one wants to be on those assignments. But like you said, sometimes you just get sucked in. You don't even know that you're going to deal with this. And next thing you know, I'm just like, that's a body, you know, that's someone who couldn't get out. Um, and, and then you hear those stories of somebody who's been, you know, who survived after evacuating after five, six different wildfire incidents in the United States. And finally number six and number seven got them. And then you're like, Oh geez, you know, it's, it's hard. You know, we get passionate about it and then you find out how some of these fires starts and then, you know, your blood might boil a little bit Ooh, more. Yeah. And then they're like, you know, this, this could have been prevented for sure. You know, the start of the fire, you know, the progression and growth is a whole different thing, but yeah, it's hard, you know, in all, it's the greatest job in the world, man. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but, um, what the, 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 the crappy parts and shitty parts about the job. Absolutely. You know, I wish those can wipe out of my mind and never have to deal with them again. And I wish I never, ever have to go to one of these fires that I've, that we've both been on, you know, in the last decade, you know, there's some stuff that we've seen that I'm just like, I hope I never see that again, but unfortunately we will, yeah. you know, it's just, just how it goes. We will. We will next year. And unfortunately, they're, they're more than likely. I you know I can't predict the future, but I'm sure there'll be one another devastating fire next year somewhere in the state of California that we'll go to and we'll see death and destruction again and again and again. So, and that's the thing, man. It's like, yeah, we did we sign up to do this? It's one of the best jobs in the entire world. Yeah, is it going to change for the future though? Like seeing that death and destruction? No, it's not going to change. It's going to keep on doing its thing because it's a force of nature. Nature's going to keep on going, man. It's, it's the human aspect that is the real tragedy of wildfire. And like you're saying, man, these people have coming back to a foundation where they've lost everything or even worse, they lost their life and you have to respond to that. Well, think about the families and the continuation of that whole process, man, who takes care of those people? You and I, we have avenues for resources to take care of our mental health and our, you know, we have jobs that are keeping us somewhat financially, you know, employed and gainfully employed. But these people have to come back to like nothing. And that is a genuine human tragedy, man. That sucks. It is. And uh, you know that with the confines of what I personally want to say and what I experienced is uh, you know, I'll leave this one at this. You see areas in California that are very financially well off yeah. and you see these wildfires go off to those well-off areas and, and destroy it. It is property. Absolutely. And you're not going to compare necessarily someone's loss of, I lost my, um, you know, myself, my cell phone here got burnt up or this coffee mug I'm drinking got burnt up versus someone's home. It's still property, right? This coffee cup could mean the world to me that it was passed on 25 generations, you know? So I understand that value is value for someone's property and we're not one to judge that. However, what I can say is there's been areas where, uh, you know, people who have been socially, you know, disfortunate and, um, simply put poor, you know, than the rich and 
like you said, you know, their homes burned down. They're probably, they have nowhere to go. I think after the campfire, you look at that, like the, the homeless population of Butte County, you know, skyrocketed. Yeah. There's no one had to go. And even still here in Southern Oregon, there's a, the expo center here in Jackson County that's filled up with evacuees. I think it was like 3000 homes, 2000 homes or something like that, Jesus. you know, lost here. And, it, <clears throat> but you look at those homes, right? There were a lot of them were, were trailer park communities. I mean, those people weren't living in mansions. Those people didn't have huge, massive vineyards or, or whatever, and they don't have anywhere to go. And like you said, you know, if, if my home burns down tonight, um, we'll be okay. You know, figure something out. But most people don't. And, and that's the, the, the sad part to see it. And unfortunately, with the exception of some of these areas, like I was saying, you know, the Malibus, the Napa Valleys, things like that, that is still crazy enough to see these massive wildfires grow. It's the majority of them in, in California and Oregon, Washington, we see them in, in rural areas, you know, in the woods, in the middle of nowhere, where a lot of these people don't have anywhere to go already and can't make, you know, bills paid and met and, it's really sad to see that too. And now they really don't have anything, you know? Yeah. So we see that. Yeah. Uh, you know, a trash bag and a couple pairs of underwears and a socks and a pair of Nikes and just whatever that's you had it. in your car. Yeah. When you evacuated. And they're, they're hard, man. I, I'm like, I get all emotional about this. I think this is the campfire. I saw somebody I was sitting there at Dutch bros, the coffee shop. We grab a coffee right there, but the silver dollar fairgrounds for a lot of people have been there in Chico for fire camps. And I'm sitting there and I was actually talking to a friend who is a, a firefighter for uh, fire district five. And that's here in the Phoenix in talent. We actually met uh, down there at the fire by fluke, you know, now these mutual aid coming from everywhere. So after I had coffee, I was BSing with him a little bit. And then I met somebody, I said, trash bag. And we thought there were just, you know, homeless transient. <laughs> They had a little sign, so we actually pulled over, gave him a couple dollars out of the fire engine. And uh, they were saying, that was a, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, you get all emotional about that because it was crazy. Was like, oh, I'll be fine. You know, we talked to them, the home burned down. And essentially, they were like, I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. I was like, holy shit. And I was like, you'll figure it out. And I was like, hey, I was like, you know what? I'm just blessed that my family lived. I'm blessed for you guys. Thank you so much. Wanted to shake all of our hands. And, um, you know, the National Guard members that were there and everything like that. So I'll I'll be totally fine. You guys are the heroes. You guys are this. Thank you so much for worrying. I was like, hold on, bro. Like your whole house burned down. You don't have anything. And you have a duffel bag. And so it was actually, you know, starting to rain towards that in December. So now it's a flooding issues, things like that. Oh, I'll be fine. I'm just hanging out. Don't worry about it. I lost my home out there in Megalia paradise area and I'll be fine. Just nothing. Just living life. Just thanking all the firefighters that went through all the national guard members, all the law enforcement officers, all the volunteers in the red cross, all the million and a half government agencies that were there supporting this whole mission and operation. And just, oh, I'll be fine. Some people, man, I wouldn't be. No, I'd be me. pissed. I'd be pissed, man. That's the thing, though, is like a lot of the people that I mean, it, it from my perspective, it seems rather enticing to have your own little slice of heaven and just dumping your life savings into a little plot of land and having like a, a little home out in the middle of the forest. You know, that sounds so enticing to me. But in the reality that a lot of people don't think about is that, yeah, there's an inherent risk involved with that. I mean, granted that the campfire was a freak incident. Right. There's no one could have predicted that. It was just one of those things, much like the uh, Almeda fire in Southern Oregon. But when you dump your entire life savings into 
into something that you're going to be proud of. That is your little slice of heaven out in the woods and you lose everything. Dude, that hurts. That hurts me as a firefighter because oftentimes we can't do anything about it. We, we just have to basically get them out of there. We have to protect that life over property. Property, property is always secondary to life, right? right. And there's life nothing we can do. Yeah. Life, no, property, I, natural resources, man. In yeah, that it's hard. And I've only seen just a little bit of it, right? I mean, I haven't been a firefighter for you know, 20, 30 years. And uh, so my, my current captain, he says this, and it's probably one of the biggest things that he... Uh, drills into us. He's like, the biggest thing that we can do right now is know the playbook of the opposite team. And I was like, know the playbook. And that's one factor is like, know the weather. And he's like, that's, that's the opposite playbook. And he's like, that's our cheat code. That's our advantage. That's how we're going to one up mother nature. If we can, and it's like, no, know the playbook of the other team. Cause that's the opposing team. And I remember him saying that all the time, all the time with the morning weather every day, you know, before a little briefing at the firehouse and we're looking at what the projection is, what the neighboring counties are, what Southern California is doing, hell what Southern Oregon is doing at this point, you know, with the whole mutual aid and EMAC agreements and things like that from out of States and stuff. And, and it seems like that's the only thing you can do. That's the only thing you can do. You can't control how it's going to start. You can't control where it's going to start. You can't control how many people are going to die, how many homes are going to down, but you'll just know, okay, there's a higher possibility of a fire starting this afternoon when the RHs drop, the winds come up, the temps come up and that's it. That's all you can do. So that's the reactive part about our job. And it's like, we can build homes in different areas, build out of more fire uh, resistant materials. Um, you can have all the evacuation stuff set up. You can have your checklist, the ready, set, go stuff that Cal fires produced, all that stuff, <clears throat> the defensible space. That's all fine. You can do your uh, inspections, that is all fine and dandy. Absolutely. hundred percent supported of it. And it does save lives and homes. However, at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to happen. That's it. And a fire that big, like the Almeda fire, you know, it was a complete urban interface fire. 100% fire. urban interface. But yeah, it was, it was like people aren't taking defensible space in a trailer park. Why don't you have the need, right? They're in the middle of downtown Phoenix, Oregon, talent, Oregon. There's no defensible space in a trailer park, right? There's some ornamental bush between you and the neighbor. <laughs> that's, that's it. And that didn't do a thing. The winds laid down, the fire blew sideways. I actually spoke to a, uh, a law enforcement officer in Southern Oregon. He's a motor cop. You know, everyone was helping evacuate from the Veterans Affairs Police to the local police department, to the sheriff's office, to the state police. Everyone was out, Homeland Security, FBI, all of them. And this officer was hauling ass up I-5, northbound on I-5. And he said he tapped out his bike at 100 miles per hour and the fire was keeping up. The fire was pacing him at 100 miles an hour? hundred miles per hour. That's what he said. And I was like, Holy crap. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of, uh, you know, adrenaline stuff and who was, it was actually 100 miles per hour itself. But he was like, dude, I was going a hundred miles per hour on I five. And I looked to the right, and I, you know, I, I believe it. I believe, it. you know, like at this point where it was like, I think we gusts up to 55, 60 miles per hour and just chewing through fields. And he looked to the right and I was like, Oh, that's the fire right there. And it was keeping up. God, uh, man. Uh, that was some of the growth in the campfire too. You yeah. Know, some of the crew, like an acre a second or something like that. Was, yeah. And that's the thing too, is it was in dense timber. It started in dense timber, but yeah, I mean, that's what can you do? You can throw all the resources you want in, in the world at it. You can think, take all of the tankers in the world at it and, you know, throw all the retardant at it. You, you can't stop it. 
there's just so much energy harnessed in that one area that you can't do anything. It's like a nuclear bomb going off, man. Absolutely. You, you still go back and look at that area and it definitely affected my family. You know, I'm not a native to Southern Oregon. I've been here for just a few years and, uh, but my partner has, and she was like, you know, it definitely affected the whole community too. And looking back out there, it, it literally looks like you look at an overhead shot. I, it was like USA today or did something. You could swipe right on the screen and it shows all the homes and move left. And it shows a discussion. It looks like Nagasaki. It looks like Hiroshima. And you're just like, like there's absolutely nothing anymore. I, yeah. It's just unbelievable, man. It's just like all those homes, all the local businesses, the lives that were lost here, just, uh, just gone. So, I mean, but eventually a rebuild, you know, the, the crazy part, you know, the Phoenix, obviously Phoenix rise from the ashes. That's a, it's, it's a bit the ironic thing, you know, burning down in the community of Phoenix and the local fire department here is a bunch of Phoenixes, you know, on their fire engines and, and the community is uber supportive. They even, they actually had to shut down donations because people were donating everything. I mean, your tables, chairs, clothes. And they're like, we have enough, you know, we appreciate there's so much stuff out there for people, but so it doesn't change the fact that it's like, now where are they going to go? You know, are they just going to be homeless on the street? You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And that's, that's, that's another thing about. too, is people oftentimes forget about the long-term effects of a, a devastating wildfire. You know, now you have the winter coming through. Like you said, it was raining up there in your yeah. neck of the woods. And uh, now you have all this vegetation that's holding the earth together. So now you have to deal with the mud flows, the landslides, the flooding, all this other stuff. That's a consequence of these wildfires. And yeah, people forget, man. Cause once it's all said and done come December, when Christmas is happening, everybody's going to forget about it and we won't learn any lessons. And it's, it's like this cycle every year that kind of bothers me we always forget about fire season in the winter. And then it's a big surprise come June or July the next year. It's like, Oh, this has never happened before. Well, yeah, it's been happening cyclically for hundreds and hundreds of years, but are we learning anything from it? And that's a true, that's another thing that kind of bothers me about this whole thing. It's like, why are we doing the outreach for firewise communities? Are we doing the outreach for, insurance are you properly insured do you have an escape plan do you have your one two three go checklist all sorted out are you ready for it yeah i completely agree and this year more than any other year it's it's hard you can't choose where a person wants to live and where they want to you know put their property and stuff but it's almost like to the fact that we have to go these these homeowners and just be like it's, it's a matter of time when your home will burn down. Yeah. And California, it's almost like that. And that's why the crazy part is, and it's like I said, the Alameda fire or the campfire, or even in, in Napa, Sonoma, the whole Lake Napa unit, that whole area, Sonoma, Lake Napa, um, YOLO, that whole County Calusa. It, it's, uh, it's like, no, like these fires are burning in urban areas now. I mean, look at Santa Rosa from those fires. I mean, not only it that was, it's year round too. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there is no more like, Oh, forest fires is the thing where Smokey the bear and some guy with a huge beard and a Pulaski is out in the woods cutting stuff down because of forest fire. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like it is downtown Medford, Oregon is, is downtown paradise it is no more of that. And it's time we need a wake up call. I mean, tactics are changing in firefighting. I mean, we're having different equipment, things like that. And, uh, it's just, uh, 
it's a part of California. Man, I mean, we're still we're, we're still burning. You know, you think they're on lightning and all these man-made fires? Absolutely, it's it's a thing. And hell, we're even the worst at it, man. Once we get laid off, we're like, yep, we're done. We can go snowboarding or whatever we decide to do in the winter time. We can go, you know, have a bunch of beers and copious amounts of alcohol, chew and tobacco, all that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> gonna go be a ski like, bum. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, what is it? The freshman fifteen, they call it, right? But yeah, every. every <laughs> <laughs> the college and it's like, all right, well, we're going to, uh, you come back to mid fire season and we've all been like, Hey chief, can we get some larger pants? Tonight? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell happened to you? You're all blown out in the face. And it was like, Oh geez. And we're like, Oh, you know, the first PT hike of the year. And it's like, Oh, it's always man. the worst man. It's always the worst. And we're just like, Oh geez. But, but back at it again, you know, it's just a matter of time the first couple of months we're all like, man, I want to get out on a strike team. I really want to get out. And it's all slow. And now we're like, for the love of God, can I just have 12 hours off please? Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's exhausting, man. And that's, you know, part of the other, other side of that subject, you know, you got the human loss, you got the human tragedy, like the public, the taxpayer ultimately at the day, end of the day. But then you also yeah. have the firefighters that are out there that are busting their asses, the firefighters and forestry technicians. <laughs> There's a slight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, the act. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Oh man. But yeah, I think there needs to be a mutual relationship between the public taxpayer and all these fire agencies to kind of mitigate some of these risks beforehand, before it becomes a problem. Because one day, like you were saying, man, it will be on your back door. It will be your problem. Everybody thinks they're invincible until that day. <clears throat> yep. That's it. That's absolutely. And then it hits your own home too. And, and that's, and that's something crazy. I mean, that's not really my lane to speak on so much, but the amount of money that these fires cost is crazy, you know, and I've looked at that and we're all taxpayers. We all have to eat out of pocket somehow. And, but it's like, you say, how much money have we spent fighting these fires? I mean, everyone's over it. I mean, we're all over it. I wish I can just go to my 72 hour shifts, my three days on and my four days off, three days on, four days off and come home and not having to see these massive fires. Yeah. And, of course, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's, there's overtime involved. There's backstaffing involved. There's all kinds of things going involved with these whole things. We see these intricate fire camps that we've both been on and majority of our, excuse me, not majority. I'm sure all of our listeners here on this podcast have been to a large scale fire camp and seeing the resources and, and how important, um, contractor fire crews and civilian firefighting crews and, and the people who support base camp and, everything out there just to support us and the private dozers, the private water tenders, the private masticators. I mean, it's a huge operation and you got to sit back and be like, Holy crap. Like how much does this cost? And you find out and you're like, Whoa. Oh yeah. Well, that's another thing too. Is like, we only really truly understand the suppression costs, like just the cost to put the damn fire out. We don't right. account for this, all the shit further down the road, like the natural disasters, the, the, the landslides, the insurance costs, the human toll that it takes. And I, I really wish that one day that we could find a solution to this, but I'm too damn dumb to have a one-stop solution for this problem. <laughs> I mean, it's way yeah, beyond yeah. me. It's far too complex that any one person could have a plan to mitigate all this. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this is, this is dinner table conversations at the firehouse that we have. And it's like, you know, we, we put the fire out and we leave, we go back to our station, we go back to our work center, we go back where we came from. Yeah. You five high five and go eat dinner and, you know, talk about it. And this end of the day, it. it's normal for you, but from yeah. the bigger picture, it's way more complex. Absolutely. And then you see, I didn't even, 
that's one thing that, you know, in the last couple of years is you look at the, the suppression repair, you know, like, okay, the fire's out, everything's fine. All that stuff. Oh, water bars. Yeah. Setting up everything. So you don't have another Montecito mudslide. Yep. You know, like you said, you know I mean? These trees here were holding in the ground and now you just add a copious amount of water to it. Well, you just made a flood, you know, and we were talking about this year. I would not put it past us if we send strike teams up and down the state of California this year, just for, um, you know, flooding reasons like to stage and that happened you know a few years back and just it, it's like it's almost bound to happen in the winter time because there's gonna be so many flooding and i you know i forgot but that oh i want to say a few people passed away in the, those mudslides in montecito and i was like great these communities survived massive crazy gargantuan wildfires and now they're repopulated and then they got killed and their homes get destroyed because of a flood. Like, come on. You know, that's why people don't want to go to California. (laughs) That's that's all across the West though. I mean, wherever wildfire hits, man, that's the long-term damage. Like everybody thinks that it's, it's all too common that people think that the damage truly stops when the fire's out, but it doesn't, man, it keeps going. Yeah. And absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's Lieutenant John Norris, and he's a retired uh, fish and game warden in the state of California. And That's the dude that wrote the uh, the Hidden War book, right? He did. Yeah, yeah, War in the Woods and Who in the War. Great guy. He's on Joe Rogan's podcast, a bunch of other podcasts. Um, he's actually at Shot Show as well, um, signing books, and super awesome guy. And we talked a little bit about you know the environmental damage, and that was more of his lane. Uh, resource conversation as well. And again, Cal Fire and, and California Department of Fish and Wildlife, they just changed their name, their Department of Fish and Game, as we were CDF. We both made name changes, but we're both underneath the umbrella of the Natural Resources Agency in the state of California. So both kind of come from the same paybook, paycheck um, area. And uh, checkbook is what I'm looking for. And uh, we talked about just the flooding. You have all these hazardous materials, right? You have burnt homes, plastics, metals, whatever we keep in our garage. And that's something we don't look at is and definitely remind me of a touch base about that is like the urban interface, especially with you know, forestry technicians or Cal fire wildland firefighters. You know, we were doing all this stuff without masks and things. We get exposed to a lot more than we think of just a burning tree or burning manzanita bush, but oh yeah, all these debris are now being liquefied during the rain and they're being thrown into streams. Yeah. You got a hazmat situation. That's just catastrophic. You see these fish die. You see these deer die. I mean, same thing with the whole marijuana cultivation, cultivation in in national forests and public lands. It's just absolutely ridiculous in our state. But you look at that and uh, that's a whole nother thing. It's like, there's so many negative effects to this financially, the socioeconomic class that has just got blown up and devastated. But yeah, I mean, definitely check out his books. Good friend of mine. And, and you know, he goes into depth about the marijuana cultivation, cultivation and, and environmental damage from that. But. Oh yeah, dude, that part where uh, they're saying that these illegal grow offs are using like these high end gnarly ass poisons to like basically kill everything around their grows. Some of that stuff has like been banned worldwide and it's just being made or imported from some other country. And it's just, gross man yeah terrible medicals you know it's like yes things that'll boil on your skin and in our realm um grow season cultivation season now essentially um dude we've had numerous wildfire starts you know confirmed after their investigation and then publicly um you know deemed that this was a start by our uh, law enforcement fire investigators started by marijuana grows 
yeah, generator ones. Yeah. Yeah. Campfires, but these illegal and like, I don't know how many I would have to count, but I don't even think I can count how many illicit started, you know, from marijuana growth wildfires that I've been to that have been destructive and lost homes and property that I've personally been to that started from an illegal grow. I'm sure you might have as well. I mean, and that's not even a California Actually, I've, surprisingly, I've never been on one that's, I mean, I've gone through some, uh, some legal grow sites like because California you can grow it legally and sell it and yada 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 it's it's a rec state so I've been right. th- I've done point protection on some legal grows but never a, a an illegal grow illegal yeah you did the same that's something too it's right it's, it's property right yeah I mean, that's someone's livelihood that's a farm I mean legally under exactly. the state of California that's a, that's their farm that's their livelihood Absolutely. You know, yeah. And that's another thing, you know, jumping into politics, whatever you believe in or whatever, you know, the fact is it is what it is and it's there and, and people have those careers and it's property and we're going to protect it as we can as, as firefighters, right? We don't pick and choose and that's not our job, but we wouldn't be in this profession if we're picking and choosing who to protect. Like that's not, that's not our job. And absolutely. And, uh, but the illegal stuff is huge too. I mean, you have the cartels, you have all that type of stuff and maybe one day touch base with you on that, but yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's one of the reasons, you know, fire starts in California. It's uh 90% of fires in Cal fire, you know, our, our mission is, you know, to keep fires 10 acres or less. Yeah. And, well, uh, that's another thing too, about Cal fire. Your guys's mission is completely different than the fed side. You guys are all risk. You guys have a different set of rules. You have a sit- different set of objectives. Your whole mission statement is completely different from the feds. Yeah. And you know, uh, so my, my first year in fire, like actually fire besides being an explorer, um, with, um, San Mateo County, that was it. And, and that was back in the day and I was an explorer post. And, and then I, uh, my first fire season was with the feds. So the, the national park service and the department of the interior, and I was on type three out of, uh, Sequoia, national Sequoia Kings Canyon, Seeky. And that was, um, down there in three rivers, actually. So just, just east of Visalia, Fresno area. And it was really interesting to see that, I haven't burned more, you know, like talk about drip torch time. I mean, I was 18 years old and as you know, you know, sequoia trees need fire. Yeah. They need fire to propagate. Yeah. And that was like, dude, it was so awesome. Now actually firefighting suppression, I didn't do much. And that was kind of bummer because I really wanted to put out fire as well. I think I went on two veg fires. I actually confirmed (laughs) veg fires the whole summer. It wasn't much, but, um, I put a ton of fire on the ground and, yeah, the mission statement, you know, I think the park service probably differs more than the forest service or BLM or U.S. Fish and Wildlife or any of those five natural resources agencies a little bit more because there's so much in prescribed burning, subscribed burning, prescribed burning. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I mean, they put like, especially down in Yosemite, after talking with the uh, yeah. the FMO from uh, Yosemite, they put tons of fire on the ground, which is a huge, important part of not only their fire protection program, because that has, you know, long term lasting benefits for fire protection but also for ecological benefit as well. They put a ton of fire on the ground over there in Yosemite. Huge. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things, man. It's like, I read, you know, going on the mission statement between us and we touched base on this a little bit before, but you know, I read an article, you know, don't call us wildland firefighters. Uh, you know, we're forestry technicians and, you know, that's I don't true. work for that agency anymore. And, uh, that was one of the hardest things that I was like, it's complete, you know, ridiculous to me. It's like, there's, there's no different. <clears throat> yes. We're all risk. Yes. Um, you know, 90% of us are EMTs. 
you know, fire Academy rescue systems, one rescue systems two. we have type threes, but, um, you know, you could talk about all that and, um, you know, we respond to stress fires, medical aids, everything, just like any other, you know, municipal fire department, we're, we're absolutely no different, but we have that SRA land, the state responsibility area that we respond to. So naturally we get sucked into protecting our own state land for firefighting, but, um, you know, SCBAs, ladders, everything like that. We do everything. Whereas the feds, when I was at the force, we had SCBAs. And I think it's been an interesting thing with region five is we had SCBAs on our engine, but we really weren't allowed to use it. And they yeah. were shared. There was only like two sets of turnouts, structure turnouts, PPE on our engines, but they were kind of shared. So for me, someone went to the whole proper, you know, California state fire, fire one fire Academy. And then I was like, wait, what you get shared turnouts. You can't use the SCBAs. Oh yeah, it's bullshit. You know, I was like, but it's a whole different mindset, right? I mean, they're not necessarily there for that. And the structure fire gear and the SCBAs were there for, you know, vehicle fires with the threat to the vegetation, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not really worried about the car, it's property. You know, we want to get that vegetation and they do it and they do it well. But the part where I got mad was, you know, supposedly prescribed fires and wildland fires are different types of fires because you don't get hazard pay. That always blows my mind. Yeah. That, yeah. So, I was like, oh, but I guess this fire is a little bit less hot than the, than the fire that started, you know, some other way. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Maybe we won't get burned by this one. So this is not hazardous. Yeah. I don't know how many feds have died at prescribed burns. I don't know how many federal firefighters have got injured at prescribed burns. Or how many of those prescribed burns have escaped to the wildland and become wildfires. Right. And now it's like, you know, there is no hazard pay with Cal fire, right? We have a base rate. And well, it's inherently it dangerous what you do. And that's one thing that really pisses me off is the, the hazard pay thing It's like, how do you justify hazard pay? What's the most dangerous thing that we do as firefighters driving, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, prob I mean, it's probably what we do the most of, and it's probably the highest risk exposure. And it's the thing that we do the most often. Now is that hazardous? hundred percent. And then you're like, well, um, you know, there's a California mechanic that died a few years ago, you know, died responding to a fire, you know, and he was you know, enrolled and he was tired and we're always pushing our employees to a different limit about driving farther and farther and farther and responding to that fire and putting it out. And it's like, exactly what you said. I mean, it was 2004, definitely pre my time, but it was a Dan Holmes on Arrowhead hotshots. And I remember going to the Memorial up there and, you know, got killed by a tree and even just this year and just seeing all this and different fires. Oh yeah. He was a prescribed fire and he was falling a, a snag and the snag fell on top of him and killed him. Rest in peace. We change our Instagram profile. We change our Facebook profile. We do all this. We put a thin blue line, thin red line, all that stuff. And we're like, okay, but you know, don't call me a firefighter. Call me a forestry technician. And, and I don't know, I don't know what support there is. I don't know if there's lifetime healthcare. I don't know if the federal government does all that. You nope. Know? No. Yeah. See, and then that now correct me if I'm wrong. There's, there are federal firefighters though, right? There so are. Why, yeah. Right. Like the uh, DOD. I don't know what, what's your view on that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like why, so, why not? That's the thing. The 0081 series as opposed to the four oh four six two. Yeah. Oh, four, six, two series. Mm -hmm. Forestry technician is 0462, and that's primarily 90% of your workforce as far as wildland goes. With the 0081, the actual firefighters, they have to go by a different set of rules than that they couldn't get away with on a wildland incident. It just doesn't make sense to put a 0081 uh, as a primary wildland firefighter 
duty uh, position, right? Position description. It doesn't make sense. But if there was some sort of, I guess, reevaluation of OPM and how they classify forestry technicians or made a wildland firefighter series that was specific to our rules of engagement using air, air quotes here, it'd probably do a lot of benefits, but there's also consequences to that. It's the unforeseen shit that comes down the line that makes this a bad idea. Now, should there be a soft separation of fuels and fire or land management and fire? It's probably about the time that we need to start reconsidering that. Should we be funded under FEMA? Should we be funded under DHS, Department of Homeland Security? I mean, what's, what's truly our mission? Because our mission right now is responding to emergencies. Hardly ever do we ever... I mean, except for a few areas do a lot of prescribed fire, which falls under the fuels and land management aspect of this whole job. But 90% of our job is suppression and it's now year round. Now, don't get me started on the pay thing because a GS4, GS3, they can, (laughs) they can make a lot more money going working at your local target, especially in states like California where the minimum wage is, you know, 15 bucks an hour. That's, that's insulting. That's insulting. These kids are like 18 to 25 years old. They're kids, man. And they're out there risking their lives. It's absolutely disgusting. And I can say that if I could walk into Congress right now and spark to the administrators of, you know, the USDA and US uh, Department of the Interior and just <clears throat> let them know. Cause I, when I was 18, when I worked for the park service, I was like, Oh cool. It's a lot of money. I was getting overtime, you know, guys and girls just graduated high school and they're, you know, sitting at home, whatever, not doing anything. I came home and was like, yeah, man, you know, Try this new shotgun I bought. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, how'd you afford that? You know, and I think this is big money. That's no, absolutely. hours of overtime. That's what it is. So you're working yeah, a year condensed into overtime. four months. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> even still, the pay differential, even from my agency, is, is, you know, it's not that great. You know, people are like, oh, you're doing well for the month. You know, you'd be able to, you, know, you bought this, you bought that. Um, yeah. But, you work Monday through Friday, nine to five and have the weekends off and get to see your children and your spouse. I have been on duty for 70 days. Yeah. So like then, well, those are those unforeseen consequences too. If we were to switch right. the feds were to switch like a job title or anything like that. Cause we'd, you know, we'd have to still experience that. That's 70 days on the line. It is. And, and I think also what we also say is, you know, we have a extremely strong union. 2881 with Cal Fire. And it's been a blessing in so many ways that they fought for different rights and workday schedules and higher pay and uniforms and all kinds of different personnel issues or management issues, which would be great. But we also will sit there and, uh, you know, bitch about this is crappy about this department, this is crappy about this department. At the same time, we never really want to admit it as well that we could quit. <laughs> We can go and find True. a different job. And, we, and that's the thing too, is we've all made the decision to apply to work for Cal Fire, to apply for, work for BLM, Forest Service, San Francisco Fire. It is what it is. And the fact is it still is a solid job. We still have a good pension. And I am thankful for that every single day, even working seasonally in our programs. But also we have to swallow our tongue a little bit and be like, as much as we would want more, want more, want more. And there are some things that I feel that we definitely do need compared to uh, the LA counties and the Fresno cities and, and whatever these departments are that we're both doing the same thing out there, but we're getting entirely less amount of money. I look at it and I look at the federal counterparts and we're sitting there doing a hose lay 
in Modoc County and I see the Forest Service on the right flank and I see the CAL FIRE on the left flank, we're both doing the same exact thing. And I know that I'm getting quadruple, if not five times as much money as that firefighter is. And we're both going to the same fire. And I'm like, hold on. And then uh, LA City pulls up at the heel and I'm like, oh, he's making a hundred times more than I am, but he's making the same patch. And then we're like, yeah. And then we all, you know, we could all pick a different career too. You know, we choose it. It's a calling. It hundred percent is, it's not, it's not a job. You know, we wouldn't be doing it for the less pay. So I, I understand that part too. Um, we all make the decisions to go work somewhere else or get out of this field. So that's something that I'm also thankful of, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. You see the, the department differentials and paying the discrepancies of, of pay. And it's like, you know, we all live in California, right? Yeah. Like we can't afford anything. Um, hell, one of the reasons I moved out of California, you know, I couldn't afford it anymore. Don't blame and, it. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that. And, um, you know, I, I do love the state. Um, <clears throat> but it's just, uh, it, it's hard to live. It is. It's expensive. It is absolutely. So it is, man. And that's a pretty much a, a commonality across the entire West because the entire West coast, uh, doesn't matter if you're in Idaho or Wyoming or Montana or Oregon or California, whatever, Nevada, it's getting more and more expensive and that dollar needs to be stretched a little bit further. And yeah, at the end of the day, the forestry technician is going to bitch about money and we, yeah, you can solve a lot of problems by throwing money at it. Right. But at the end of the day, we do do it for the sunsets. We also do it for less. And I just really want to see that change. You know, I mean, I wouldn't change a a damn thing for my 11 years in the fire service, right. Between forest service and BLM, because it made me who I am as a, as a person, right? To this day, I still have these dumb traits that I learned and picked up firefighting. But I really, really want to see it better for the future generations because if you do throw money at that problem by increasing their pay or recognizing them as a firefighter, giving them year-round benefits, I would love to see future generations have that opportunities that I didn't because it truly sucks. It's a young man and a young woman's sport and it's hard. You're risking your life for $14, $15, $16 an hour. And it's... I came to a point in my life where I just said, you know what? I can't do this. I can't have a family. I can't have a house. I can't have my two dogs. I got a kid on the way. I I wouldn't be able to afford these opportunities with sanity by being in the Forest Service or the BLM or any of those federal fire positions, man, as a forestry technician. I just can't do it. And that's one of the reasons why I got out of it. But now things have changed and I realized from the outside looking in that I could use this, this platform, I guess, to, you know, kind of help implement those changes and get that pay equality for our counterparts doing the same exact job in Cal fire. And I got to say, I got to give you a shout out there, dude, because I never in the world would expect a Cal fire guy advocating for support for federal, their federal counterparts. No, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And then I said, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that, um, you know, I did it. And that's the thing. I think that they gave me a baseline, but I really wish that we didn't we say, Oh, how do you go to, here's a, here's a progression, right? So what I see, I helped in, in instruct a uh, Cal fire at the time it was a 67 hour uh, basic Academy. And now it's like 200 and something hour, you know, every year it goes up in hours as it should. There's more technical um, skills that you need to learn. So I was down there at uh, Las Positas college, Livermore, California. I was helping instruct this Academy and uh, great, great, 
great college out there. So huge shout out to those instructors and uh, for what they did, because they definitely made the, the ground roots of where I'm at. So I definitely wanted to give back. And that's one of the things I like doing. And people are like, oh, go to the Forest Service. Or no, not even that. Let me back up. Go to a contract crew. Go to the Mendocino Type 2 Davis crew. I think it was a Davis hand crew. It's just a private Type 2, not even IA. Just mopping up type two crew, go do that. Then you're going to go get hired by the Forest Service. You're going to do a season there. Don't mind them. They're a bunch of hillbillies with beers who chew way too much and drink too much. And then uh, do that for a year. Just suck it up. Don't say anything, whatever. And then you're going to go apply for Cal Fire. And don't bother about them. They're just brush bunnies with prettier fire engines. You know, they're ripe, <laughs> they're ripe tomatoes because they're red and not green. <laughs> and then take all that experience and go apply for Alameda County Fire. Go apply for San Francisco Fire, and then you've made it. It's like a progression. Yeah. I was like, well, hold on. Back step, stop. Like, I was surprised. Like, how many people actually don't want to mess with structure fires? I don't. They don't want to mess with EMS calls. They don't fuck with that. And I was like, I get that. Like, I love structure fires. I love responding. I don't love them. I I love responding to them. You know, it's a passion of mine. I love the whole all risk aspect. So that's why my goal is to retire from the agency that I'm in, you know, I don't want to go to another department. I don't want to, because I like the aspect of, I get to do anything and everything. You know, I can apply for a firehouse in Siskiyou County off I five, or I can go work down in, in Julian Cuyamaca in San Diego County and respond to fires across the border in Mexico. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. Water rescues, whatever. I mean, that's just my agency or I, you know, it's like, <clears throat> I was talking to, um, uh, federal firefighter. I forgot what forest it was. I think it was actually Rogue River, Siskiyou National Forest out here. Might have been. And um, but she fights fire in the wintertime. Excuse me, in the summertime out here mm-hmm. in the West Coast, and then she goes to the East Coast in the you know our wintertime and and fights swamp fires. Yeah, that's their burning you know, like, and swamp fire kind of season down yeah. there. Yeah. And I was like, that's an awesome life to do. And it's like, but we've progressed it and we've almost like downplayed our own agencies that we, it's a stepping stone. It's a stepping stone. It's a stepping stone. Okay. Why is it a stepping stone pay? And I say it like pay, yeah. you know, and it's like, we look at our agencies, like, why are we leaving so many people to, of course, any agency is going to have attrition promotions, disciplinary reasons that that happens at McDonald's, right? That happens um, anywhere you go. Yeah. But we look at the biggest reasons is why. And I, I personally know so many people who have left my agency. I was one of them who left the, you know, the federal government just because of the pay issue. That was originally why. And then the all risk aspect of it, but who work for municipal departments and uh, the pay. And it's like, I think that we would have so many people staying with my agency if it was just the pay. That being said, right. I'm going to go back to it because if, someone listening to this podcast and be like, Hey, I'm busting my butt helping and supporting these firefighters as a private water tender driver. And I'm not getting any support. So I understand that. And my hat is definitely off and I don't even want to come out arrogant or cocky about that is very, you know, very fortunate to have the career that I'm in and the retirement and the pay and the union. I mean, they have taken great care of me. Absolutely. But it's just not there yet. Cause I'm looking at, you know, other departments who are getting the same pay. Like I said, why why should the Forest Service, just because they're not responding to the house fire, they should be getting paid less? You know, just because they're still going on TCs, they're still doing everything else. They're still because kind I wear, of quasi I wear all night. risk. Oh, absolutely. I'm saying, and, 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 you know, like, whether or not they've been involved in it, and I'll leave it at that, I've definitely seen some Forest Service firefighters do some all-risk activities, you know, because it's in our passion to protect life, property, and the environment. So they're out there. They're not going to sit back. And that's the thing, you know, I don't work for them anymore. And it's like, 
you know what, if I saw this going down in a home, I don't care, like fire me, you know? And that's where we were at in the, uh, when I was working for the feds, I was like, if there's a house on fire, all of us on the engine were like, we're going in and putting it out. If there's someone in there, I didn't care, you know? And it was like, it was, in, it was, it was bred in us that we're going to save that person. Those two, two uh, sets of structure gear. Yeah. We still trained in them. And yeah, if there was a house fire and we were first due at that house fire and there was no one around, are you going to sit back and watch it burn? Oh, protect the bush that's on fire around it. No, hell gonna, no, no, that doesn't work no, like that. We're all, all going to go in and you know what? Maybe we'll get fired from it, but you know what? Oh, well a person lived. Yeah. That's all I care about. It's that life so, over property, man. And it's, yeah, and you know what? At the same time, I'll go apply a Burger King because we need more money than a federal firefighter. And that's the thing though. It's like people stick around in this job because they genuinely love it. There's nothing, nothing in the world that compares to this. Maybe the military, but I mean, with this job, you don't have to get shot at, but that's the thing though, is we do this because we're passionate about it. But at the end of the day, like you said, man, you can make more money working at Burger King. Absolutely. hundred percent. And probably better retirement, better time off than the federal. (laughs) We, we joke. And there's that brotherhood about that too. Cal fire versus the feds. You see all those Instagram. What we is love it? To give each other shit. I, yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's always been, that's like a, been a traditional thing though. Even since we guys were like CDF. I mean, that's, we always yeah. just had this like kind of, I don't know if it's like a, uh, like a friendly rivalry or if it's just, we like to give each other shit, but we still respect each other at the end of the day. And we just like to give each other shit. I mean, you guys get to stay in hotel rooms. So <laughs> That is true. That is true. And, uh, which has its benefits yeah. though. I, I understand the reasoning behind <laughs> that because you get rest, dude, you get rest. We work 16 hours a day and sleep in the dirt. And I guarantee you that 16 hour day shift is, doesn't end at 16 hours. You got to go to planning meetings. You got to do your shit. You got to sharpen your oh. saw. You got to set up your camp. You're probably getting five hours of fucking sleep a night, man. You guys get to go sleep in a hotel after you're 24. Dude, sign me up. I would love to be no, fresh. I, love absolutely. To be fresh that is a part about it. And that's, I can bitch about that too. It's like, sometimes you know, Okay, we're on the fire. Zero eight hundred is is shift changer. Zero seven hundred. Well, you're so which I said. So we had a, we had a strike team out at the uh, Mendocino complex. We're talking, excuse me, August complex, and they're out there in Humboldt County. And regardless of spiking out or whatever, from base camp to their division that they were on was a three hour drive. Mm-hmm. And it's like their relief was at seven a.m. So they didn't get off the line until ten a.m. till their relief showed up. Then they had a three hour drive to base camp and then you got to go to supply. Then you got to go eat chow because you just blew your whole hose pack, your whole complement. Then you got to re-roll all that hose. Next thing you know, you're in your hotel at 15, 1600 hours. And then you're like, great. And you got to be up at zero 300 for shift change again. So it's like, yeah, absolutely. But then again, like I have a hot shower. I have air conditioning. Restful uh, sleep. Yeah. Sleep letting, you know, no one's talking. I could charge my phone. You know, it's like, hope you get a phone call to, to the spouse and kids and friends and, and that's it, you know? So there, there are definitely some advantages and some of those advantages was one of the reasons why I left the federal government to go over now. Um, it's got its drawbacks too. Like you're saying, man, you, that 24 off and isn't necessarily 24 off. Like the reset, right? You guys have the 21 day reset or 14 day and can get extended, right? Yep. Yeah. There ain't no reset with Cal fire. So that's the thing with, with that is, um, 
I should say, after 21 days, they try to get us a 48-hour R&R. Now, that 48-hour R&R is not a 40. And I can just say this from experience this year. We were at the uh, North Complex, the West Zone, and that was the uh, fire burning over there in Chico, which was a whole other thing. You know, <clears throat> started up, um, you know, it was, a, it was a FRA, Fed fire, and it came into the SRA. And there's been a lot of those fires that, you know, is it a state fire, is it a Fed fire, and turned yeah. unified command, all that stuff. So, and it was actually almost near the same area, you know, burnt up to paradise as well, Chico area. So that was right up there. So we actually hit our 21 day mark. And that's only if they can make it happen. A 48 hour R&R and 48 hours. You're still on duty. You, it's not, you're going home. You can't have a, a nice libation or two, you, you know, you're still on duty, ready to go. So on this 48 hour R&R, we actually drove up to Reading, and it was almost like a strategic spot because this North wind event was coming. So it's like, we were on a 48 hour R&R, but still available to the local Butte unit, the Shasta unit, excuse me. And uh, <clears throat> so there's two of us, two Charlie strike teams, 10 engines, right? Two strike team leaders and we're parked there at the hotel. And then day two, of the 48 hour, we were told, you know, Hey, you need to be within five minutes of the end. And so if you want to go to a restaurant, if you want to work, you know, go get a can of chew at the little gas station, whatever, um, five minutes. So we're like, oh, okay, fine. You know, we get it. And, uh, North wind events are blowing wind. And, uh, next thing you know, I'm sitting there in the gym. Literally I was sitting there on my phone. I was looking at Facebook and I was like, Oh, new column in the Igo Ono area. And someone was live streaming a column. And I was like, and uh, I go, I was like, Oh no, that's, that's, that's your response. Area. Literally that's how it was. And I was like, <laughs> looking at my engineer and I was like, dude, look. And I showed him the phone and he was like, Holy shit. And I was like, God, so we walk out <clears throat> on Hilltop drive. So many people have stayed there. You know, all the Cal fire guys probably know that's, 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 a, that's a hotel spot right there in Shasta unit. Everyone sees off Hilltop drive. We, walk out and we look up and I see this angry fucking column. And I'm like, Oh geez. We thought it was burning for hours. <clears throat> I got to post some pictures of it. And I was looking up and I was like, Oh, there's a 48 now. <laughs> it was like, Saddle up like, boys, time to roll. <laughs> yeah. So it was like 2020. And I was like, we, you know, we just got off the, the we had the, the hog fire and the gold fire, these big campaign fires in Lassen County and then the sheep fire. And then we had all this, you know, the lightning storm. And there was like a little tiny lull, a little, little tiny one that we're like, okay, we're getting containment up like the little scary lull that we're in right now. Then, you know, and uh, we're like, okay. And then sure enough, we look outside and the glass fire actually just started the night before in Lake Napa. So that thing's ripping. So even new complex and we're waiting to see if we're going to get sent out their immediate need. And sure enough, we were like, dude, we need to eat now. Like we need to get something now. Just so shovel some food in your Mexican face and call it a yeah, day. Literally run down to this Mexican restaurant. I remember ordering some fajitas and I got like four or five bites in, no joke. And then boom, text message roll up, you know, from our battalion chief. And it was like, hey, code three engines now. Like, Damn, so we're just like, oh, we're just like, we're starving, starving, starving. We just throw a $20 bill. I don't even know what the total was. We didn't even care. We just threw 20s down. I was like, thank you, bye. And we run back and change in our engine. The next thing you know, you know, we're code three from the hotel. And, uh, you know, that was the Zog fire, <clears throat> but I don't even know where I was going with that. It was just like, this year's just been, just been wild. So oh, yeah, man. there's a 48 hour, hour Oh, that, yeah. The 48 hour R and R and that's, that got thrown to crap. So that's, you know, that's one of the benefits, I guess, with the feds, you know, you can go home back to your work center and reset, maybe even give your family a hug, things like that. And it's like, no, you know, and, and then again, I was gone for forever for another, you know, 25 day stretch. Um, at the Zog. So I was like, even the 48 hour R and R, it's not really a truly 48 hour R and R, but all of us, 
you know, we wanted to go. We were actually, you know, calling the chief before and be like, Hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. BC you all stoked about it. You know, we're sitting here and we're like, what are we doing? You know, there's a fire. Let's go. And, re- and none of us thought about the 48 hour R and R. And then down the road, we're like, Hey, we never got a 48 hour R and R. What the, heck? <laughs> wait a second. We got gypped out of this deal. So, I mean, well, it goes to show you though, man. I mean, yeah, the feds looking that the grass is greener on the other side, right? With Cal fire or any other state agency. I mean, you guys got your own issues too. That's, just how it is, man. I'm sure, you know, LA County fire has their issues like you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's not all like sunshine and freaking rainbows out of a different department, but it's just what you're willing to suffer with, I guess. And yeah, it's just one of those things, man. Hopefully some things on the fed side will change, but just keep in mind, you can always change those careers. So you can always go to another agency if you wanted to, but just keep in mind, you just deal with the same shit, just in a different manner. So my buddy, he's a firefighter paramedic at a, at a fire department in Eastern Bay area and he loves it. And you know, his entry level pay was over six figures. Like, man, that is awesome. Big you know, city, I, man, a lot of responsibility, probationary firefighter paramedic. And I was like, dude, you know, that is, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, they do good work and whatever. And uh, the call volume is not there as some other departments is a little bit slower, very affluent area. Cool understanding you know, a great friend of mine. And like I said, he worked the Davis hand crew type two stuff Did a little fed time went up that route and just made that progression you're talking about. Absolutely. And he did, but you know, what's so crazy. It's just working seasonal with Cal fire. I have been to, I don't know how many more fires than he has. And of course I, we joke around, he got a nice leather helmet, got the truck belt, you know, I mean, he's a fireman fireman. Right. And uh, he's like, dude, I've been to like one deck fire in my six years. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going. T- <laughs> and I was like, so six slow, at, and I was six due at Rick. And I was like, Oh God. Yeah. And um, he, but that's the thing. It's like uh, the experience that you get working for our two agencies. And I was like, we, we pull up, you see guys. Absolutely. And that's one of those things is trade-offs. You see, Hey, uh, you know, LA County where these, some of these guys like, you know, are like, Oh my Lord you fight fires in California in region five in Oregon and Washington, like, Oh no, man. But those guys will run into, uh, you know, a seven story commercial structure fire with flames blowing and victims trapped from the seventh floor. And they're like, Oh yeah, this is our bread and butter, but a bush on fire. Nah, dude, that's crazy. I ain't messing with that. It's weird how that disconnect is though. Like you ask a structure firefighter, like, Hey, you want to do some wildland? They're like, hell no. And same thing conversely with wildland guys and girls. Hey, you want to go fight a structure fire? Hell no. <laughs> no, no. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, I think that's almost the past going on that in California too. It's like, there is no real structure firefighters in California, but it was San Francisco. They sent out like three alpha type one strike teams this year. Like they're, they have an OES engine and, and things like that. Like they're being forced to, to go out to fire. So it's almost like one of those things where I feel like that. Yes, it is. You know, there was a structure and wildland thing, at least in California, but like, no, you have, you know, you have downtown LA city showing up to Susanville to do structure protection fire, uh, structure protection on a, on a wildland urban interface fire. And those guys are like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. We're, ru- we're running out of fire engines. Yeah. We well, did a lot of we overlap did. there, you know? Yeah. I mean, as you know, it, it, it's a fat thing to be easy to, be on a federal engine and go to Montana and things like that, or Hawaii or Alaska or Santa Cruz. That's just the thing, right? You work for the federal government, but I saw Waxahachie, Texas, Dallas, every department in Oregon and Seattle and Idaho. And I saw uh, big sky, Montana, 
on a type one strike team in Gilroy, California, traded patches with them. And I was like, Holy, you know, Montana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like even the type ones are, are coming from everywhere. We ran out. We don't have enough firefighters. Especially in a year like this, man, it's like, you gotta, you don't have the luxury of just, you know, calling your lo- local unit and having enough resources to tackle things. And you got to pull resources from somewhere. Sometimes they're from Texas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, times have definitely have, have changed in California. I'd say even in the last five, six years, I mean, just the exponential fire growth, the amount of resources, the mutual aid things. It, it's just the going back on that Almeda fire, just because it touched base at home. I, I spoke to that engineer and uh, we were talking about, the response that he had. And he said, so many people thought because it's, Oh, it's a California thing, you know, but there's this invisible line that we drew just North of Siskiyou County, bordering Jackson County, right on the California, Oregon border. It's like, all right, this is a new state. So we're going to operate a hundred percent differently. No, the weather's exactly like Redding. There's no difference. And they had this California type of event in Southern Oregon. And they said, you know, we weren't really prepared. You know, we weren't really prepared. Um, what this happens this is a California event when it's like, no, 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 this is a West coast event. This is not just California. And, you know, they said they're going to change some policies and procedures. They're starting to buy like type threes, type sixes. And, you know, they didn't even have any of this. The mutual the municipal, municipal departments. These don't, these guys don't have this kind of stuff. No, they don't. Yeah. Even, even talking to, you know, them and talking to some of the Oregon department of forestry guys is ODF is completely different. I don't think there's really any other agency really kind of like California. Um, like Cal Fire that has kind of like the mutual aid. You know how it goes, man. It's like you show up first thing and get on the radio. I can request, you know, five Charlies, three VLATs, two BCs, you know, with a flick of a radio. I mean, that's it done quick. And they're inbound when in, in Southern Oregon, you know, they're not getting on the radio and you know, hold on five Charlies. All right. We have a type three coming out of Portland. We have come out on a Lakeview. Like it's, it's not set up for that, but they had a California like event in Phoenix and Talon. So it's, things are changing, man. It's like, unfortunately, like that playbook, I mentioned that knowing mother nature and her, her wind event and the RHs that are going to drop here shortly. It's like, we're already uh, playing catch up. You never get ahead. No, you never get ahead. But that's the thing too, is like with any emergency, it's always reactionary, right? We never can plan for worst case we plan for the worst case scenario but the gravity of that when it actually hits that worst case scenario we don't have a plan for it we just don't we're extremely reactionary and we try and make do with what we've got it is the fire service in in the whole is a reactionary shit i think it's even all emergency services doesn't matter if you're police ems fire doesn't matter yeah that's that's a very good point absolutely yeah even the law enforcement thing like I said, you, you can do your defensible space. You can do all that type of stuff, the 911 calls, but reverse 911 calls. And, but still, you're, uh, you know, you're, we still respond to emergencies. That's the number one key. So, what, what can we do? We just, end of the day, we just still get back on that fire engine and do the damn job. And we love it. We do. Um, but, you know, there's, there's things that can change. Um, it's just becoming more and more difficult. So, that, yeah, definitely true, especially with like the uh, populace encroaching on the wildland urban that wildland urban interface man it's like we have nowhere to go on the west coast besides the wooly as far as expansion goes 100 percent, yeah we keep going more and more into the woods more and more into the woods and that's what you know our numbers um you know we did hire 
every year we hire seasonal firefighters like, like anybody else. Um, but, um, you know, our inmate population drastically went down. So that's another, you know, looking at that, the hand crews, the first time really in the state, we implemented firefighter one firefighter one is our classification for entry level seasonal firefighter. And, uh, we had firefighter one hand crews. Mm -hmm. So that was actually a thing that we never had before. We just had engines and we had the uh, inmate firefighter hand crews from CDCR department of corrections and rehabilitation. And, uh, that was actually a Cal fire captain, you know, drove a bunch of inmates and that was our, you know, type one classification for, for a, a hand crew. And dude, some of those guys and girls, because we, the, yeah, CDC, uh, they definitely have both male and female hand crews. There are. Yeah. I think there's yeah. only two, one or two left. Yeah. Down in Southern California. Yeah. Those men and women put in some serious work. And I understand that uh, they've changed some policies too, to where they can hold their qualifications and now they're being able to get full-time jobs once they serve their sentence, get out. And now they can, you know, become a fire, a Cal fire firefighter, right? Correct me if I'm wrong here. Yeah. So, at, so for years, so what that last bill was kind of vague trying to understand it myself, but so we've always hired inmates Yeah. since Cal fire was incepted. We have, um, in fact, I, I know one pretty, pretty, pretty well solid dude. And he was an inmate, um, did his time, made his mistakes, paid his time back to the state at a, at a fire camp. And he was an inmate on a fire hand crew and he came back and he actually applied as a seasonal firefighter and we hired him and he's there and he works his ass off. No different than any other firefighter, uh, who, who had, didn't go that path of, uh, being on a inmate hand crew. And I, I believe what this last bill was, was to make it easier because, um, uh, the issue in California, I think actually statewide, you know, for your EMT, that, uh, national registry, mm -hmm. um, you can't be a convicted felon. So I believe that that last bill was not so much as to work for Cal fire, but if inmate X wanted to go work for fire department Z, that it would be a lot easier for him or her to apply to that department with those felony convictions. So uh, a lot of times, um, a lot of people don't know there's actually CDCR fire department as well. It's another state fire department that every prison um, actually has its own fire department, Pelican Bay, San Quentin. They have type ones, they have type threes, and they're actually fire captains who are employed by CDCR fire, which is a whole different agency separate to Cal fire. But they also uh, have inmates um, who are like on a fire, uh, fire protection brigade, for lack of better terms there. And uh, if a fire breaks out or EMS call comes in, they actually hop on the fire engine and go help their fellow inmates with whatever that emergency is. So uh, there's been some firefighters who I know who worked for Cal Fire who were actually incarcerated on those fire brigades. And boy, I'll tell you, he has way more certs than I could even pay for. I mean, came out rescue systems one, two, confined space technician, you know, hazmat specialist. I'm like, holy, sh you know, this and, dude's and, and crawled out the wazoo. Oh, dude. Yeah. His resume looks like he's been a division chief for Cal fire for 25 years. And I'm like, you know, type one incident, this, this, that ICS 1.5 million. And I'm like, yeah, I think that went up to 400. Oh yeah. This is a special class I got. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, I mean, that's a great program as well. I mean, they come out and dude knows his stuff. Dude. There's, there's no doubt. <clears throat> of course you can be like, Oh, whatever. And, and politics and personal opinions, but it's, there's it's no a sensitive doubt when subject, man, I, I can understand why there's definitely some, you know, there's some issues with that. There is, there are, there are, there are, you know, and there's no doubt. And we all admit that they are. And, um, 
but like I said, at the end of the damn day, dude, it's like the guy getting out of the engine and pulling that baby out of that house or pushing that car away from our bumper. We're like, I don't care. We don't care. I mean, the same thing, whatever color your fire engine is white, red, whatever. When the going gets tough, we're all just there and there's no BS. And that, and that's why, you know, people try to bait you, you know, what do you think? That's a big thing. Right. I mean, not necessarily going to share my opinion, whatever it is, but you know, it's an election year and there's things going on. And some politicians are like, it's climate change. Some politicians have forest management. Some say it's this, some say this, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a combination of all of those factors though. It's it's not just one thing or the other, man. No. And, and it comes down to me being on the ground, me being paid by the state of California to fight fire. And I'm always going to do that every single time. Yeah. Then, you know, whatever. I mean, the rest is history at that point, but, um, it's hard, man. I mean, that's all we want. It's been way too much every single year, too many homes, too many people have, have died. And it's just, it's so sad and sickening that it's happening over and over again. So we're kind of coming to content with it. Like, can we prevent it? I don't know. Can we? I mean, are virus human caused? Yeah. I mean, that's fact. We know that, right? They're also lightning caused too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't stop mother nature throwing her lightning beams down in the forest, but can we be prepared about it? I mean, that's a huge thing, right? We, we, We talked about that, about, Cal Fire versus the Foresters. <laughs> a <funny, laughs> Foresters doesn't put fires there. out. You know they don't put fires out. Now they manage the fires. We're over here cleaning up their mess. Well, Cal Fires are a bunch of good old good old boys, and you know they got their nice blue shirts with badges. <laughs> and the hotel rooms. I gotta get. I gotta flick you some shit about that. <laughs> hotel rooms. Oh yeah, getting yeah, yeah. little jets in the hot tub and stuff. I look back and I'm sitting here like calling for room service and I'm like, what are those feds are doing down there in their tent? Hope that, uh, hope that fire camp food's pretty good. I'm over doing round table. <laughs> so, oh man. It's, it's always a good brotherhood, man. But and that's the thing. It's like, I think that's, it's so far like above our heads and my head that I don't even care. It's like, are they going to manage that fire or suppress that fire? Oh, it was a management fire. And then it went to suppression code and now it's huge. And now people are homes are burning as like, oh they could have stopped this fire years ago cal fire like oh you guys put out all the fires well hold on now 20 years from now not even that five years from now that same area that you put out so aggressively is burning again because we know that fire uh, is good for the environment so it's like we keep on putting out suppress 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 now this understory is huge now we have all these ladder fuels so you can go either way you know you can say whatever so what's that fine balance like okay now we're going to do all these uh shaded fuel breaks. We're going to employ, you know, fire, you know, we just took a huge step in our department to actually employ, you know, fuels crews and start doing fuels work, which is never a Cal fire thing. You know, no, it's always been it. traditionally a fed thing like for yeah. even private contractor too. Yeah. The fuel mods and the graybacks and all those folks and going out there and doing brushing and clearing and stuff. So it's like, tomato, tomato, apples and oranges, you know, smoke and mirrors. I don't know what it what, what, I don't know. It's so hard, dude. It's like so frustrating because you want to blame the other half and I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. I've been guilty of it. Oh yeah. There's been so many times where I've been like, you know, F them, you know, like this is BS and they're saying the same thing. And then we go visit each other or we do an interagency training and we do a hose lay together or they, we go to their work center. They come to our firehouse. 
Dude, we're all this solid. conversation that we're having right now. Yeah. And that's a good conversation we have. And we're like, dude, you know, the same thing, same thing in the local police department, you know, the County boys and a local PD. Yeah. And it's like, <clears throat> at the end of the day, we're all BSing. We have a cup of coffee together and we're just like, yeah. <laughs> well, we're all Whatever. the same team. Yeah, we have the same know? similar mission. We have the same, you know, mission at the end of the day to actually do what we do. There's a lot of overlap there. It doesn't matter if you're Cal Fire, OES, whatever, Fed, LA County, doesn't matter. We're all doing the same job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes California great. It's it's a it's a great place to work and the mutual aid systems and just seeing it, it always fascinates me. I nerd out on the ICS stuff, the incident management teams. I love that portion about the job. And and you look back here at a type one incident and you're like, man, we actually set something up that with half a dozen phone calls, we can have all these different resources here. You're setting up a city dude with its own logistics. It's everything. It's crazy. I mean, like, I'm like, what, like, how does this even happen? And, and that's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating and it's awesome. And I mean, that's the cool part about the job. And then you have so many different agencies working together and stuff, you know, on that Zog, I'll tell you an example straight up on that Zog fire that we were at, it was, uh, you know, threatening portions of whiskey town. Whiskey Town's a yeah. national recreation area. That's a pretty bitching place, man. It is absolutely, yeah. You know, it's a super cool spot, and uh, it's administrated by the National Park Service. And they have, you know, a Type Six, and we might have a Type Three up there as well. But um, there's a Forest Service crew up there that we were working with the whole time, and like we didn't know that was Engine Three XX, whatever it was, at the Shasta Trinity. And it's like, yeah, you know, we were working with them. We we it wasn't like oh feds, you know. And, I mean, some guys take it to a pretty extreme, you know, they get pretty, you know, they get snubbed out pretty quick. Because oh, it's like, I think contractors get shit on the most when they have, it's just like Cal Fire, man. They have a completely different set of rules, completely different set of, you know, missions. Everybody shits on contractors too. So it's not <laughs> just, it's not just Cal Fire and feds and it, yeah, it's, it's the whole thing. Contracting has always been a interesting subject for me because it's hard because I've worked with, a lot of good ones. And then I've worked with a lot of ones that were a little bit substandard. And then again, I look at my own agency and I'm like, Same there's shit, people dude. here that that person should not be on a fire engine or the feds. And so it's like, it's everywhere. My hat is off to those guys do, you know, my hat is off to the contractors and my uh, hats are off to uh the contractors and um, the volunteers, man, I think it's huge. So I, well, shit, man, I was talking with uh, Jason Patton, yeah. you know, uh, firefighter yeah. chronicles or fire department okay. chronicles. Yeah. yeah. And he was yeah. saying that he had this study throughout there and he said like 90% of the, like the, what the firefighters in the United States are volunteers? 90%. Like 90%. Yeah. Especially on the East coast. They have a lot of volunteers over there, Midwest East coast. But yeah, that is, he was saying that most of the firefighting forces in the United States are volunteers, which is kind of blew my mind. It is. And uh, you don't even see that a lot in California. And uh, it's crazy that, uh, how should I say it? Like you look back Here's the thing. Let me see. Let me, let me think before I speak here. <laughs> there is so many, the contractors do, they do such awesome work and that's, there's absolutely no way 
that we can manage these fires by just paid professionals. Uh, there's no the way. Federal, no way. Absolutely. We don't so have enough people. There's not enough. There's just no not way. Enough. And talking to some of these guys out there, I'm like, Hey, what do you do? It's like, hey, I'm a logger. You just look at the falling modules too. It's like, yeah, I'll pull this chainsaw out. And all the guys will probably make fun of me for this. Like I am not a chainsaw guy, dude. Like, nope. Like we have it. I'm just like, it's one of those things that like on the Sawyer, like I'll pass that thing off real quick, dude. Like I'll buck for you. I'll pull for you. Totally fine. But like when it comes to falling trees, just like, not I, have no, I have no interest in falling trees. I think it's badass and it's cool. And I'll look at it. I'll take cool video for you, but I ain't doing none of that. Like, I don't want to do it. If I have to, I will, but I'm like, it's just not my cup of tea. And I look at these faller modules come out and some of these fires. I'm like, dude, holy shit. Like what? And, and they're just, they're just loggers, you know, the Almeda fire, excuse me, the Oban chain fire, which is also at the same day that the Almeda fire started. And this was in Eagle point, Oregon, just North of Jackson County took out a bunch of homes as well. Dude, there was like a militia of private loggers and dozers in Oregon that just showed up, didn't want any pay. And they were cutting line around cities, cutting lines around homes. And that's my, my hat is off, but they get shit on all the time. Absolutely. when we talk about that, but same thing like, with volleys too. Dude, yeah, they show up and it's like you look at these guys, they're out there. We don't even there was there was a volunteer group that actually had a shelter deployment on the gold fire and it came out and uh they were like first at scene and this is in Lassen County and uh or Lassen Modoc border essentially. And uh it was like, dude, like I don't even know what he does. He works for the county doing something. And uh he went out there, saw homes were burning threw whatever you could on gone the type one engine went over there and unfortunately you know, had to end up deploying a shelter and he survived and he's doing well now but like for nothing and they're not protected by you know some union they're not protected by on the job stuff like that was strictly out of the heart of like-minded people and to have these contractors i feel they're the same way because they're all out there there's a lot of them in oregon oh um, yeah there's a shit ton in oregon and Oregon's like a big contractor state. And, and we worked with a lot of them. There's some grayback guys down in California who came up here from Merlin. I remember seeing this documentary on Netflix. I forgot yeah. what it was called, right? Following the, following the, the, uh, the grayback guys. And I was like, it was kind of a story that touched the heart because it was like, same thing with the inmates. Do that, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Had a, had a drug abuse addiction and uh, in and out of the trouble with the law. And he had interest in helping the community. Um, so he got picked up as a wildland firefighter, you know, yeah. with great back and dude, bust an ass, you know, and, and, and that's like, is these second chances I think that are, are pretty good to hear, but well, it's just you never see him. Cal fire. Yeah, man. Those guys put in, those guys and girls put in work, man. I mean, dude, it's work that I never want to do. Like, Oh, you see life is diamond, like what? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they take, you know, the same assignments that any other hand crew would take, you know, at least from the federal side. They're highly trained. They're highly qualified. Who? I always wish I can give a shout out to this crew. There were a BLM crew out of Eastern Oregon. And there was a, there's like 20 of them. I think they said there were BLM employees. Uh, Snake River. Is there, there was like actually a 20 crew. I almost got to Google it right now. Are you talking um, about Lakeview? It was somewhere out there. Yeah. More East of Lakeview. It was a BLM hand crew. A lot of them were uh, Hispanic agriculture workers out there in Eastern Oregon. Mm -hmm. And few of them spoke English, um, but they said there were BLM employees and it was like snake river. Maybe it was snake river. Anyways, I'll have to research in myself. Wait, are you talking about the guys that uh, they, we hire them. They, there's these, there's a, there's a firefighting crew and I forget what out of what state I want to say it's like Texas or something like that, but they 
basically they're, they live in Mexico and they come over and they fight fire on the border. Or if not, if they get, they can even get called up into the fire anywhere in the United States. And I forget what the name of the crew is, but yeah, that's one of the crews down there and they're hired by the BLM. Majority of them live in Mexico and they come over here and they, they fight fire. I think that's bitching, man. But that goes to show you that what's that? There you go. Just found it. Who is it? So, no, it's on Vail, Vail, Oregon. Oh, it's Vail. Yeah. Snake River Valley hand crew and uh, yeah, SRV snake river Valley. Um, no, that's what it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking at an article right now. You know, family came up from Mexico and, um, came up and worked. So those are the guys who worked at the, at the, uh, the hog fire in yeah. Madison County this year. And whole dude, talk about the 16th and 17th, 18th, right? I mean, serious to 16 hour shift. No, it's a 20 hour shift. Cause we got to cram up and they came up in a bunch of pickup trucks. Like we see those 80 crews. Yeah. Um, and they, they come in, but I guess this one is actually administered by the BLM. And they said, there's maybe one of the guys can comment on this. If you're listening, he knows more about that. But um, from my understanding, there was like six or eight hand crews actually out of this work center and talk about the most busting ass crew that I've seen. I mean, like they're just doing it and they'll go back to picking strawberries in the field. You know, they go back and that's what they go to. And they just got a phone call like, Hey, we're going out of California. Came in like no sleeping bags. And I was doing some stuff in the supply section. So we're like, you know, here's sleeping bags. Here's this, here's this, here's the double A batteries, here's, you know, whatever you guys need, let us All the know. Stuff you need, yeah. And it's like, yeah. And they're not doing the, the shiny stuff. They're not ending up on Fox news or CNN. Um, they're not being interviewed by you. They're not being interviewed. Right. But, but, but bigger people, I'm not saying you, you, I mean, you definitely, oh, you yeah, are, I'm but, definitely open to interviewing them. I think that's, you are, you are. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say that, but um, they just don't get the you know, credit that they deserve. Right. Right. They're not on the cover of firehouse magazine, things like that. Right. And that's, what's kind of getting at that. Um, the assignments they're getting are like, pull a mop up 900 feet. What? (laughs) Like mop up 900 feet, backhaul all the hose, backhaul all the trash. Oh, your line has been cold for the last 10 days too. So you're out there for uh, political stuff. Watch out for snags. Someone got hit with a snag here two days ago on this actual division that you're at. And also it's a three hour drive out in the middle of nowhere and pack your lunch. And Oh, by the way, feeding has shut down at base camp too. So you're on your own for MREs. And we're birdie back at our firehouse. I mean, that's the assignment these guys are getting. And all of them come back with a smile on their face. And they're like, hey, man, how do I get hired by Cal Fire? You know, like, how do I get hired by the Forcers? I'd rather work with someone like that than someone who's fresh out of a Firefighter One Academy. Um, all full of ego and shit. Years old. Yeah, you know, exactly. It was like, oh, you know, here's, here's all my 150 certs. And, you know, this is my first job. And it's like, you actually look at some of these folks, like well-rounded busting ass. And still, I'm like, I would never do that. If I got that assignment right now by my captain or Batanchi, I'll be like, you're high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Hold on. Let's sit down. I'm going to respectfully decline that assignment. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, yeah. But that just goes to show you, man. It's, it's like with the SRV, you got also that uh, the crew out of Texas or Mexico. I forget which one it is. But yeah, that's it, a, it'd be cool to talk to one of those guys. That sure. would be cool to talk to those people. Yeah. Hell yeah. Because, I mean, they do the same job that we do. And it just goes to show you that the fire problem in the United States is so big that we need to hire international resources to come over right. here and help with this problem, man. It's It takes an army. We it's they come from everywhere. Well, literally this year, I think we actually had active duty troops come down too. Yeah, yeah. You know, to fire. Guard and, you was know, that was there. an interesting thing. You know, uh, 
looking at that, I was like, Hey, well, hold on. Cause that gets into the whole like posse comitatus thing. Right. Are you going to look at like, hold on the U S military active duty troops? Cause the national guard can help out. And I was going to the riots and protests and all that type of stuff. It's like, wait, are they U S military troops? I know they have to be national guard because during, you know, peacetime they're employed by the yeah. governor. I guess it's active national. duty on national or on uh, domestic soil. Yeah. So that was the same thing. So I guess those national, those active duty, you know, U.S. Marine Corps, Navy, I think it's about some Navy Force, Air Force guys, all those active duty troops are only allowed to work on federal fires because yep. federal land. So that was like one of those, but the National Guard guys, they can go in. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. And I worked with them out there in, uh, in the North Complex. I mean, administered by a Cal Fire Cabin. No, something else too is like we tried to have to find places to backfill the decreasing inmate population. It was like, all right, let's have these full time, I think it's called, excuse me, Task Force Rattlesnake, a full time National Guard hand crew. And they're getting paid by the federal government, you know, or the state government, whatever the avenue they get by. And then a Cal Fire captain and a couple of Cal Fire firefighters uh, run this Type Two crew, and their IA and I, th- I think some of them are even going for the Type One certification. And um, dude, I mean, just another avenue of, of hiring people. So definitely need more, man, because we don't have enough people. We just don't. No, not at all. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I haven't heard that this year in region five, some fire engines had to be unstaffed. You know, I've heard rumor. I can't confirm that because I've been trying to search and find actual documentation and proof of that. But yeah, from what I understand, there is a lot of UTF unable to fill positions in region five. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a problem across the West in general. It's not just a uniquely California problem. We're struggling for people, at least on the fed side. Yeah. They're just yeah. coming over to the better agency, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's that shit talking again. Yeah, they're just coming over. No, no, actually, that is a problem, though. I mean, people are jumping ship. I know a lot of people that high level people, like superintendents of hotshot crews, that have jumped ship. Yeah, no, I mean, it, like I was saying, same thing with us. You know, I had a, my captain last year, my captain left our agency to go to a municipal department in Northern California just for, you know, whatever his personal reasons are, but, um, the money issue, you know, that was a thing. I mean, he took a huge pay cut for a couple of years, but that tops that position as a entry-level firefighter EMT still will make more money as a captain with our department. So, I mean, it, it's what you want though, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what you want. You know, you must be on a ladder truck downtown, you know, absolutely. You know, I still like the fact that I got to go, you know, to a veg fire in San Diego and the next minute I got to be turned around to Siskiyou County. So, I mean, it's all what you want. It's all what you want to do. Yeah. It's the same thing with the feds though. I mean, we do it because we love the job. Same with Cal fire, same with the contractor, same with the volleys. We just, we just love it. And yeah. Would I like to see it get better? Of course I would, but yeah, that's one of those issues that needs to be addressed further down the road, I guess. That's something that needs to go up, man. I mean, my, my feel honestly is like my department fine, but always I hear about, I think that, that hit me hard. It was like, stop calling us wildland firefighters. And I was like, man, I got emotional read that. I was like, man, that is such a huge thing. And it's like, I don't know. It, it's like, that sucks, dude. I'm just like, it, it really sucks. It's because they push you guys to the limit, you know, no oh, yeah. days off this and that. And still, <clears throat> if anything from this the whole podcast to knowing like there is love for the feds from the Cal fire side, there always has, there always been. And someone who worked just one small season with the feds looking at it, like if I could personally do anything, me, like I'll fly to Congress, man. I was like, I, I'll testify just to say like, I do 
both. I did both. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, come on. I, I remember that wildland was it force technician parentheses dispatcher. Right. And it's yeah. like parentheses interpretation or whatever they were and wildland firefighter. And I was like, don't call me that shit if you're not going to pay me for what it's worth. And then you look at, you know, federal firefighters, like the, the military federal firefighters. DVD guys. They are. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, but even them, I see are getting pretty, you know, oh, they're getting their own problems too. They're getting, yeah, they have their own yeah, set of problems. Yeah. I know two of my buddies are actually uh, military base firefighters out here. So the zero zero eight one series, not going to mm. mention their names, but uh, you know, yeah. don't want to, don't want to have any unnecessary uh, stuff going their way, but no. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. I read some of that stuff as well in just different magazines and articles, but I don't know. It, it's just so hard. And that's why it's almost like convincing the people. I was like, dude, why don't you just apply for my agency? You know, why don't you leave? And there's one guy again, you know, he's in the last national forest, good friend of mine. And uh, I, I told him that I said, let me get you set up. Let me meet you. Let me introduce you to some people. Um, you is know, that who I think it is? Job. What's that again? Is that who I think it is? You know, um, maybe, maybe. Nah, I think we're, I think we're, I think we're talking about the same person here. So go ahead. Anyways, continue on. Maybe. Yeah. yeah Forest service firefighter. Um, and, uh, I told him about it. I was like, why don't you apply? <clears throat> I was like, no, you know, I talked to him. He's like, no, I, you know, I, I love it. And yeah. he loves that agency. And I'm like, you know, hats off to you. People have said that to me too, that, you know, I got a lot of buddies work for San Francisco fire. I started my whole ride along stuff down there. So many of those lieutenants and captains and firemen there are like, oh yeah, you know, dude, like, what are you doing over there? Why don't you come over? You can make 20 times the amount of money. And I'm like, it's, it's not, not about, even the, about money. the money, dude. It's like, I really like what I do. I really like that agency. I really like this department. It's fun. There's so many things to do. And so I can't, I can't even convince them out of it. So it's like, I can't even, you know, it's just, it's all politics and BS, you know, and that's what happens. We work for the government, you know, it is, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a government agency. I mean, there's going to be some politics into that. I mean, directly the person who we may vote for or who not vote for or whatever makes a direct impact on our department. I mean, that's it. I mean, if you don't like it, there's always a private industry, right? We can always leave and, but we choose not to, and we want to do the job. So that's just some of the parts of parts of the job that, uh, you know, we have to deal with that. There's politics involved. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely always politics involved with any agency. Um, it's not, yeah, it's not just unique to one specific agency, but yeah, dude, I just, I just, I really, I my I got a heart, like a soft spot in my heart for the feds, of course, you know, cause that's prime. That's entirely what my career has been. So yeah, that whole grassroots wildland firefighter movement, man, I, I really, really hope to see that go some places and I'm definitely stoked to be involved with that. Maybe we can get, you know, since we're doing the same, same fucking job as Cal fire, essentially minus maybe some medical calls. Cause you guys are, you know, genuinely all risk and classified sure. as all risk and classified as a firefighter, not a forestry <laughs> technician. I'd like to see some changes, man. I'd love to see that for the fed side and to hear, you know, like I said previously to hear Cal fire guy advocating for that change as well. That's, that's huge, man. It's not, yeah, that's, that's impressive. No. No, absolutely, man. It's the least I could do because it's like, yeah, you know, we see the, the all risk and we are, I mean, we have the thing. So the schedule a contracts, you know, uh, the pebble, the city of pebble beach, right. Riverside County, Butte County. Um, you know, the list goes on the city of Temecula, uh, Fresno County. We're actually there. Yeah. Ladder trucks, mutual type ones, ambulances, paramedics. They're no different. Right. And that's, that's where we, uh, you know, they're, they're Cal fire employees, but contracted by the County to do fire protection. So that's like a whole different side to Cal fire. All of our engines are all risk. Absolutely. But, 
Um, speaking about the wildland portion, absolutely, man. It's like we're all going to the same fires. We're all fighting the same thing. It is what it is. But I mean, I just hope that that one day that it changes. I hope that one day that the federal government will pay its. Uh, um, I, I I hope that you guys are rewarded and treated as the same as you should be. I mean, it's been years, right? I mean, how long is this going to go? It's twenty twenty. I mean, this is not hasn't changed since well as long as I can remember. So probably since like the forties. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Since you guys were like holding military hand crews back in the day, you know, militias and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. But I don't know. Well, we'll see. I mean, hopefully now it, let me ask you, are there things in the, in the works? I mean, I remember seeing some stuff online in the grassroots things like it, it's been presented to Congress, right? Well, it hasn't been formally presented to Congress. It's been presented to some, uh, congressmen and women. I can say that, um, I can't go into too many details because of, you know, the nature of the beast. And I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, especially because some of those people that are working on this project, they may or may not still work for the federal agencies, but there is a huge grassroots movement. And if you guys want to find out more, uh, you can check it on Instagram at grassroots wildland firefighters, or you can go to our website too. It's uh, grassrootwildlandfirefighters.com. And, uh, yeah, there's instructions. There's a whole uh, list of not necessarily demands, but some changes that we'd like to see. And uh, I think uh, hopefully it'll, it'll work out. I really hope for the best for that, man. Cause it's uh, yeah, it's been too long. That's hard. It's hard to see that too. It's hard to see firefighters wanting to leave the agency because they're not treated as they, that's, I think that's what it comes down to is saying like, I want to leave my fire department because they're not treating me well. You yeah, know, I'm not being paid enough to do what I'm doing. Well, it's not even just about pay. I mean, it, look at the whole, it's a holistic package, right? It's a whole, it's the entirety that we're looking at. So it's not only just pay, it's, we don't have like the seasonal, which comprises a majority of our workforce in the summertime. They don't yeah. have health insurance during the winter, man. No, it's not, it's not even offered. Not Well, it's offered as a Cobra, you know, continuation oh, of right. health. So benefits. that's like what? $1,500 a month. Uh, last time I was had the option, it was like 900 and something dollars a month. Dude, you can't yeah, afford that on 15 bucks an hour. Sorry. No, you're not. It doesn't. Yeah. Retirement, death benefits. Uh, you know, we don't have national heart, lung and cancer. We don't have any of this shit. And we're subjected to all of this nasty stuff. I mean, this is like that cancer study, what I did with Dr. Navarro, the episode on that and her cancer study. It's bad, man. It really is. change. I think that, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's absolutely true. You know, the, the, the pay issue, it's not... I mean, this guy loves fighting fire with the feds. He loves working in this forest and he loves going around. And that, and that was like the passionate part about it was like, yeah, you know, I, I want to stay with this department. I just want to change, you know, and all it's going to take is some people making a lot of noise. You know, I think that's, that's how change is, is, you know, changed brought yeah. up our attention. Well, hopefully we can make some, we've already kind of made a little bit of noise, but uh, hopefully we can continue to make some and hopefully people don't forget. Like I was saying, man, it's like once December hits and it's Christmas time, people forget. I don't want people to forget because this doesn't only affect the firefighter, sorry, the forestry technician. It affects the general public as well. You know, it's that's yeah, we, we can have an avenue for 
getting more resources out there, more avenues for forest management. We have more avenues for suppression. We have more everything. It's, it's that's the whole idea because this is going to be an increasing problem and we need the resources to combat it and they need to be compensated and treated fairly. They do. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, man. We'll see where it goes. Hopefully it, it works. Yep. I do. I do. I do hope for the best. I mean, our job has been increasingly, I, I felt getting more and more dangerous, more and more fires. So it's time that, you know, some people step up and, and make, make it right for us because it's, uh, you know, we ran out. I mean, you see that firefighters from Canada and Mexico, like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Israel. Uh, what? Australia. Yeah. Australia. There you go. Yeah. And oh, Israel. Yep. We flew like 20 people from Israel this year. And I was like, holy smokes. Like, we're that short. We're that short. I mean, California is a huge state, but you look at the statistics here and uh, let's see if we could even pull them up briefly. Like, just today, um, you know, our state put this out. And this, I believe, is including the federal government, just California whole. Yeah. So, Saturday, October 10th. So it says 13,800 plus firefighters are continuing to battle 20 major wildfires complexes and consumed over 4 million acres. So a thousand plus fire engines, 94 aircraft, 296 fire crews, 188 dozers and 291 water tenders. <laughs> a thousand fire engines, you know, 94 aircraft. I mean, I mean, this is even so, I mean, things are, you know, saying things are kind of slowing down a little bit, right? We made a huge push and, we're in this low that we're starting to gain containment, but still we're not talking about the, the five acre fires and two acre fires that happen every single day. No, we're Those talking are, about million acre fires. Right. And, uh, well, fire even, like one of them, today, 13,800 firefighters. Oh yeah. 13,000. What? <laughs> does, well, that's an interesting number to, because does that include volunteers? Does that include, I mean, is that resources as a whole or is that only specific resources that are recognized by, you know, the feds? Who knows? Right. 13. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like 13,800 firefighters and then 400 forestry technicians. Yep. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I get that, man. If, if I was still a federal wildland firefighter right now, I'm like, don't call me a for, you know, I, I get that. I wouldn't want that either. I remember reading that article and I was like, don't call me that. We're not being treated like that, you know? And, Oh, it's hard, man. It's really hard. You see those, those posters at fire camp. Thank you, firefighters. I'm like, no, you know what? I am not because this is why. And right to your congressman. Pretty much. You know, the funniest yeah. thing I saw, and it's, it's so sad because it's such a dark reality and a dark humor, but I thought it was the most hilarious thing because it's so true. But I <laughs> might have, uh, I know somebody up in Northern California who is now retired, um, high up in the agency and a federal agency. And instead of saying, thank you, firefighters on a corner of a busy street, he posted a sign that said, uh, thank you, forestry technicians. And it made mm. its rounds, man. It was, it's, it's kind of dark, but it's a lot of truth to be had in that. And that's interesting. I gotta see that, you know, I'll, be <laughs> to you. Uh, I'll send it to you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I work. Yeah, here's a little story, quick thing, and it wraps things up, I guess. We were, so we were at the hog fire, and uh, anyways, I was working with a fire captain on the Klamath National Forest. We'll leave it at that, and uh, same thing. 
you know, he was like, yeah, man, he's saying, I'm getting paid this much money. And he wasn't assigned to a suppression position at that fire, but he was like, yep. But if I step five feet into that block right there, just five feet, now I get hazard pay. I was like, kidding. And he's like, yeah, that's it. He's like, literally, and it's like, if I step five feet over there, we're going to have a more support function at that fire. But even if I step five feet over there, I get hazard pay. I was like, that's a thing. Dude. You know, I was like, yeah. I said, even in this position, even if someone's working like operations or planning or logistics or whatever, finance stuff, You're not even in that fire. position, it's like, I'm going to go out there and, you know, I have to tie in with a couple of bulldozers or whatever contract crews. And even though I'm in a trailer at base camp, definitely a vital position. And, but I go out there, I'll get hazard paid for that whole day. And I was like, for real, <laughs> that's so silly. And you know, we talked about his pay and the differences and stuff, which I'm not going to get into too much, but I was looking at that and I was like, for real, like that big of a boost. I was like, that's nothing. You know, I was like, you should be getting that pay regardless and more. So here it is a captain, captain, like red hat supervisory fire captain on a type three engine in region five in California, seeing the shit all the time. And that captain is getting paid less than a seasonal firefighter for the state of California doing the same job. Yeah, pretty much dude. And I was like, but then again, he had the same thing. He had a passion for his agency he had a passion of working for the forest service and that's it. And that's why like, you know, they, they need to treat their employees better. Like it is. They just need to treat their employees better. And that's what it comes down to man. Yeah. And I can understand the, a lot of pushback for that whole, you know, raise, if you will, that whole, increase in pay and benefits. I can see a lot of pushback because people don't want to pay. I, I don't like paying taxes. I, I get it, man. I, I truly do. I don't like paying uncle Sam period, but no. it's going to cost. There's going to, yeah, there's going to be a cost involved with that. And are we going to lose people for that? Or are we going to get reclassified if we get reclassified and get pay equality to our cooperators? Maybe we might, but something's got to change, man. And maybe one of those avenues that you could change that to where you like, think about it this way. Yeah. It's, you're going to be paying more per hour per firefighter, et cetera, whatever. But if you were to not make it to where you have to work a 36 hour shift and make it to where it's a fixed and known cost. So say instead of, you know, spending, I don't know, being on duty for 15 hours in station, you have fixed days, you have fixed amounts of a fixed and known cost. So you do 12 hour duty days in the station and you do fixed 16s. Now everybody is accounted for. You can't go over 16. You might, but you'd have to do some other logistical efforts there, but it's a fixed and known cost. So it's a benefit for the taxpayer. It might make things a little cheaper, but that's way off in the weeds. Yeah. And you look at, so, so our, our shift, you know, with the state on paper is, you know, 72 hour shifts. So th- three days on four days off and you yeah. set your day so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're off the rest and, and you know, they stagger and there's some place that were Kelly schedules and things like that. Those are kind of with the, the contract counties, they have a little bit different program set up for some places in the state, but you know, we have planned overtime in there and then we can get forced overtime. And then, you know, when it comes to strike teams and things like that and, and, um, voluntary overtime covering back someone's take vacation that seems like we're you know we're 24 hour staff right so middle of time we get calls but that's it but you know back in the day there was something you know called you know get your nickel that it was like you're unpaid from like midnight to 5 a.m and if you get a call 
you get um, for those five hours your nickel or something. It was like you get paid for those five hours or or one hour. Yeah, it's what like it was. callback pay. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. But but that's the thing that always I was like, so I was 18, right? I couldn't, you know, enjoy, you know, I couldn't drink, go to the bars or something like that. But when I was 18, I was like, I was on this fire and I was like, oh yeah, you know, we're off the line 16 hours and we have to stay at base camp. And I was like, wait, I'm getting paid right now. I was like, no, you're not getting paid. You're off the clock. And I was like, all right, bye. I'm going off the street. I'm not getting paid right now. And they're like, no, you have to be here. And I was like, bull crap. I was like, and dude, I fought it, man. I was mad. I went off anyways. and all pissed off. <laughs> I went across the street, dude. I got written up. I remember. I was like, I got a write up or whatever. Talking to, I should say. Verbal discipline. But I was, I was, I was you know, 18, whatever, and like instruction, you know, pre-military. I was whatever. Wanted to do my own thing in life. But it, it's still bothering me. Like, how can you force somebody to stay at fire camp on an engine after 16 hours and be like, oh, you have to stay here. Like, I'm not getting paid that's entirely rubbish. Like I'm not getting paid. I'm not on the clock right now. So what are you going to have me do? And that was what, another gripe that I had. And I was like on fires it fine. If you don't want to pay them and you want to go to work center, you know, eight to five and you go home every night. I mean, that's an advantage of itself. I yeah. think sometimes, right. I mean, I get to go home and, and Sequoia actually stayed in government housing, but it was still nice. I get to go back to my own house and it was like a nine to five in that way. But I was like, if you're assigned to an incident, you should be getting paid, you know, portal to portals what we have, you know, it's like, you should be getting paid. It'll never fly hours. Yeah. Dude, I, I know I'm probably preaching fly. the choir here and, you know, guys have been doing this for yourself way longer than I am, but I'm like, at least, at least on a fire, get 24s. I'm like, I'm forced to sit here and eat fire camp food. I'm in some middle of nowhere, California or wherever it is in the United States. And I can't even go anywhere. I don't have cell service. I'm not on the clock, but I'm still forced to stay here in a tent with this, you know, like I'm an adult. Let me go be an adult, you know, like, I'll come back. Like, don't worry. You know, like, but I'm assigned to an incident. I can't go anywhere. I can be, yeah. Hey engineer, let me take the, let me take the brand new Boise mobile for a ride. You know, no. <laughs> Joy writing. <laughs> it's not yeah. like that though. I mean, that's what well, it, it is like that, especially, I mean, typically you're on a closed incident whenever you go onto one. Right. But that 16 hours, you bed down, you got to work the next morning. So typically you're not going to want to go anywhere anyways. Right. Right. Unless you need point. to go get like, something critical for the needs of the engine. Right. But it's not like sure. you're going to go out and go get beers or anything like that. You're not going to go out and go get food because you have camp food or whatever, you know? And if you're in a fire camp, I mean, on paper, you have to stay there. That's what it is. Yeah. Do I agree with that? And do I want to bitch about it? I don't agree with it. And I want to bitch about it. But at the end of the day, what other options do you have? That's, that's just, that is true. And that, yeah, yeah. So that doing it right now, guilty of it myself, you know? And it's like, you know, it is what it is. And at, at the same time, you could be like, well, you know what? They are paying me free food right now. You know, I am on the clock. I am getting fed. There are shower trailers. There are amenities. There are laundry set up, you know. And if I'm not on the clock, you're like, well, maybe they're hooking it up. You know, it's like, so you can go both ways about it. And then again, in the United States, about how many people are unemployed right now? How many people would die to be like, you know what? You're sitting here on this podcast on a Saturday afternoon complaining about your retirement and how much money and hazard pay you get over the feds and how the feds can get that. And I'm sitting here working my butt off at Burger King, just trying to get a firefighting job. And, and I'm like, you know what? Touche, man. I'm going to shut up. You know, I'm like, you're right. You know, you got me, you know, COVID, all this stuff, 2020, your home just burned down. It's like, you're right, dude. You know, like I shouldn't even be complaining right now because there are so many people out there who lost their homes and so many people who want to get, you know, we know it's a, a very, 
admirable profession, uh, admirable profession to be in. A lot of people want to do what we do. Um, and there's a waiting list, you know, and that's what these fire academy, there's so many people that want to be firefighters in the United States and it's hard, you know, it is hard to, in a whole, you know, there's networking, politicking resumes. You got to figure out how to work USA jobs, which is a nightmare in itself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was that before the force AVU? Was it uh, the yeah, the Forest Service used AVU before AVU everybody went over to USA works. Jobs. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, yeah, it was a big mess, and and, and knowing how to work the the systems and all that. But I mean, I mean, there's a lot to it. So absolutely, man. And, and I, and I said this to the black rifle coffee company guys, you know, I got the Instagram and stuff and excuse me, I apologize. I haven't even replied to everyone, but I got you know, a good dozen or two direct messages and about like, Hey, you know, I, I saw this podcast or like, like, how do I get into the job? You know, yeah. it's like, I'm a good guy as well. And I was like, how do I even do the job? So I got to figure out a way how I can actually type up a response because if so, it'll be way too long, you know, on my cell phone typing and, and just to, to get out because that's what it's all about, man. I mean, it's a, it's a good job. It is a good job. Whatever agency, whatever you want to decide. It's know, definitely decide. unique and it's definitely a good job, but you know, it comes with its consequences. So it does man. Yeah. Mental health is a big thing too. Oh yeah. You know? huge thing you know you you see a lot of stuff that i wish i'd never seen so and that's the thing though is like we do have a lot of less fortunate people out there that are looking for these jobs in 2020 and all the fires and all this other stuff you know and are the avenues out there to get into the forest service or the blm or cal fire or insert this department here yeah there's opportunities out there but i'm just going to be flat out and this is kind of good i'm gonna i know i'm gonna catch shit for this because there's a an air of elitism but not everybody can do this job it is not no, that easy no, until you walk a mile in the shoes and say, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You guys are bitching about pay and benefits and all this other stuff. Come walk a mile in our shoes. Come see what it's really like. Yeah. That's the other side too. Dude. And, and same thing. I'm sure we get flack from this too. You know, they're like, Oh yeah. Cal is the better. Oh, our forcers and whatever, you know, it is what it is. But that the hardest part I say about our job is like also just like getting along with people, man. Like it is crazy. Like you really have to put your own like personal views and beliefs and your individualistic attitude aside because it seriously is one team. And that's something that fortunately I learned from the military part of it was like, not a lot of people can do the job. You know, it's like a joke around one of my buddies, uh, you know, just, just works a, you know, owns his own company. And he's like, Oh, must be nice. 24 hours off. You know, he's like, <laughs> Oh really? And I was like, you got paid by our tax dollar money, you know, must be nice. And one of my best friends. So we give each other, but I'm like, yeah, you know, have you seen my taxes on my paycheck? How about I show you <laughs> Right. You know? the same thing. And it's like, yeah, no, you're, you're right. You know I mean? There are advantages about it. And then I'm like, let me see. Uh, how many times did you get to go home this week? Oh, every night in your own bed. Got it. You know, I was like, I'm sitting here in my home right now, but I haven't been home. In, I don't know, 40, 50 days. Right. It was like something like that. And I, if I calculated, if I didn't have like those two days off, which I had to deal with my own evacuations in my own community, I, you know, it, it definitely would have been a 70 plus run day yeah. if I didn't have those ones and twos off. And there's folks out there who are like that. And that's why I almost feel you know, guilty about that. So many people can, you know, probably have a better interview than I can because they're out there 70 plus days, you know, with families, with a pregnant wife, you know, or even at home, you know, that are, you know, haven't seen their husbands, haven't seen their wives in so long. And it's crazy. It's like, it's just a summer, you know, what's going on, you know, but 
back, back to that, the hiring portion, I was like, we have that our vets program. And that's something that I liked to see that that helped me get hired. Um, um, for certain, well, the federal agencies have that too. They have veterans preference. Absolutely. And, and I think that's pretty sweet. I worked with, I think he actually did a podcast. I worked with them this year. They were a BLM hand crew out of Folsom Lake. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Folsom Lake. Yeah. Awesome dudes. Yeah. And I think there's one out of Medford too. And it was just an entirely a veteran hand crew. And uh, that was pretty cool. Saw them in Lassen County. And I, I didn't really even know that truly existed. But it was like, yeah, you have to be a veteran to be our hand crew. And it's a great spot for vets to come in. So I think all these agencies have kind of seen the value of hiring veterans and, and see, not just because like, Oh, your vet veterans preference. Right. But actually seeing that the true value and seeing how those veteran hand crews operate because so much, you know, of our agencies. I mean, we have so many policies and procedures, even in Cal fire that have actually, they use the same, like pictograph as like our military basic training. I was like, well, I've seen that before and seeing how they like, you know, talk about chain of command and our policies and procedures. I'm like, that's straight out of the U S air force manual or straight out of the U S army manual. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's second nature for a lot of those guys. That's the cool part about it. But that's the thing, man. I hate drawing that comparison between the military and fire. I've always been adamant about not making that comparison, but the more and more I talk to veterans in the fire community, they're like, yeah, everything's derived from the military SOPs. It's, it's, there's so many similarities that these guys are talking about. Yeah. And I'm probably sure you, even with Cal fire and being in the air force, you definitely see those uh, similarities as well. Like you just said. Oh, a hundred percent. And they're, they're it's sweet. You know, I, I did it for a reason. And, um, but then again, you know, you talk to any veteran now that like, I'm, I'm happy I completed my tenure and I'm out, you know, I don't want to move in because it gets hard as someone who's like, like I'm, I'm employed by the federal and state government being in the air national guard. And then I'm also working for the state. And then it's like, you know, and doing that, that gun store stuff on the side of the law enforcement and military sales. So that's private industry. So I'm like, all right, I'm involved in private industry. I'm involved in the state government. I'm involved in the federal government. Like, Oh geez. And you see all three and you see all three, the positive cons and, and pros and cons for each. And you're like, huh, which one do I like the best? You know, and, and you actually see, uh, being involved. Um, you know, I had that blessing. I had that blessing as Jack of all trades, as was mentioned at the beginning of this to kind of touch base on all different types of aspects and see what I kind of like. That's why I jumped around, you know I mean? Yeah. Look back at it, you know, I jumped around different careers. So I like the LE thing. Well, yeah. Interesting. And then do I like the firefighting thing a little bit better? Yeah. Um, do I like the military thing? I don't know. You know, life is too short to, you know, and then you figure it out what you want to do and then you settle down. But it's uh, it's interesting, man. Like the veteran thing is huge. You know, we definitely done, done good with it. But um, we need more people. So apply, apply anywhere. Who cares? The agency contracting private dozer. We need private water tenders out there. I don't care. A masticator, you know, apply anywhere to help the whole goal because these fires aren't stopping. It affects everybody, man. And that's like, we're saying you need an army period. But fuck, man. So, yeah, man. So, what does the future hold for you? Are you going to uh, hop back on to, uh, some podcasts with the Black Rifle guys or what's going on? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, we talked about something more. You know, we, we, that was crazy. You know, I, I don't even know that even happened. I've never been one. You know, I, I told the lady, I said, hey, I'm going to like delete social media. You know, it's like if I didn't have to have it, I've, be, I've actually became, you know, grown some enjoyment through it. Absolutely. But it's a thousand times. She's like, you put that phone down, you know, it's like, but it's like, you get so engaged in it. 
and it becomes part of you. Like your post a day, your thing like this and no way. And I am some social media guru, but, um, you know, reached out, worked with a, you know, an apparel company, vision humble and excuse me, they, um, black rifle coffee and the free range American podcast folks, Logan Stark, Trevor Thompson, all those, those, those solid guys, they reached out to me and wanted to do a podcast. So we did. So we knocked out the whole podcast and it was awesome. I also say they had to buy one, uh, buy one, give one promotion. So it was during September 16th is when I did that podcast. And from September 16th to September 30th, they were doing a, uh, you buy one coffee bag and they donate one coffee bag to, uh, firefighters on the West coast who were directly working the, the wildland portion specifically. And they did. So I did that podcast and I was like, man, they sent overnighted coffee. Um, you know, our strike team of five engines, we had one compartment was filled with so much coffee. <laughs> I was handing them out and they mailed coffee to all of our firehouses in the unit. And I still have a list going. Um, that being said, you know, they're still doing it. And and I've been tasked with giving them, providing them firehouses. So if, if you watch this, uh, any point podcast here, and you're one of those agencies have been out on the front line, feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram. And, um, you know, I'll get some coffee sent down to you. I'll, I'll pass it on to those guys. Cause they're still doing it. So yeah, after that, they wrote another article up there on their coffee or die magazine, specifically on the Zog fire and my experiences. And we're probably going to do a third podcast or third article specifically about veterans in the fire service. So as much as I can get out, man, um, you know, pleasure you interviewing me on here. And then um, I just did another podcast with Dr. Jason Piccolo, another um, the protectors podcast that he's just been interviewing different law enforcement, fire, military, everyday heroes, things like that. That was his goal. And as long as I can just get it out that what we're doing in the West coast, you know, uh, firefighters and forestry techs as a whole, honestly, <laughs> like I'm going to stop saying, that. I'm going to say forestry tech from now on, you know, I think it's a, it's a thing for sure, but it's kind of an injustice. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, if I can get the word out as much as I can to folks, like just show, you know, showing support out here and the community has been completely, um, you know, supportive, but as long as I can get the word out and, you know, appreciate, you know, the coffee guys hooking things up, there's so many different agencies out there. And even still you're seeing, it's pretty cool to see as a whole, the, uh, the different t-shirts and hat companies that are giving it to benevolent foundations, benevolent, excuse me, giving it to our union, giving it, you know, donating for victims. And there's, there's so many cool things that people are doing out in the community, but um, yeah, as uh, my future man, I mean, hopefully you know, we all want that permanent job, right? Just like the feds, same thing. We all want that permanent job. So it's in the works, you know, we'll see, um, hopefully fingers crossed and, you know, full time, but, you know, love the agency that I work for, but never say never, man. You know, I, I worked fire, I jumped to law enforcement and then jumped back to fire and decided to do some military stuff. So who knows what's in it for me? You know, I, I definitely like what I do, but knowing me, my, my sporadic gypsy self, you know, next thing you know, I could get a manager at in and out burger next week. And I'm like, I enjoy flipping <laughs> burgers, man. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure let's look with the fire stuff, man. I like it. I like to progress and definitely get permanent promote, hopefully. Um, but continue just to share the message and, and, you know, run these podcasts as much as I can, as many interviews. Um, got some more articles I got to write here and there and a couple more magazines that have that reached out that want to do articles and things like that. So I'm more than happy to just speak about what's going on the West coast of the people, man. So. Oh yeah, man. That's awesome, man. And uh, you know what, man, you're speaking of which being the first Cal fire guy on the podcast, that's uh, gotten the, the blessing from your PIO and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. 
Definitely appreciate it, man. And I think it's important uh, as far as like interagency cooperations that we talk about the good and the bad for both sides of that agency and clearing up those misconceptions, man. I definitely want to thank you for that because no one really hears it, especially people on like in Montana. You don't have Cal Fire in Montana unless they're right, right. some wild ass like off district assignment, you know? Sure. So, but yeah, it's, it's cool to hear the other side and it's also refreshing to see that the grass isn't always necessarily greener on the other side. It's got its not, problems, man. It does. Like, yeah, we touched that a lot. It's not always greener, man. I mean, like we all decide to work for different agencies, but I've always wanted to do that. And there's part of me that wants to like, I'll fight fire down here in Yosemite in the Sierra national forest. And the next thing you know, I'll hop in my, uh, what do I see? Forerunner. I feel like it's a, it's a fed thing for or Tacoma. Same thing with us, you know, first year seasonal. It's the hotshot Cadillac. Yeah, exactly. It buys a Tacoma and gets a dog. <laughs> and then, um, but, and then travel out East and fight fire in like the West, like some, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, or where it was, it's pretty cool life. You know, it's like you go over there and fight fire, then come back and just travel around the United States to see guys, you know, Oh yeah. Backpacking in Zion national park. Like, Hey, I want to do that. You know, it's like, Oh, and just travel the world. I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of, there's some parts of the feds that I miss. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, both sides have their pluses and minuses and you know, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, all bitching aside, which we did a fair amount of on this podcast, <laughs> you know, we're pretty yeah. fortunate. We're very fortunate I'm, at the end of the day. Would I like to see things get better? Like you said, like no one really wants to talk about the actual ins and outs of, you know, the, the Cal fire versus the forest service thing. It's like, what do we, you know, it's like, it's not really what most people think, you know, and, and to the taxpayers out there, to the citizens, you know, who who may may be seeing this interview. And I mean, just like any job, you know, we have our differences, you know, firefighters fight too. You know, we, we disagree with each other's and disagree with agencies and we can go off about like local government folks, what they are doing on fires and their production values and how many chains an hour they can cut versus this hotshot crew versus this inmate crew versus, you know, and just like anything, there's politics and BS. And, but at the end of the day, you know, like you said, and like we said, we, we just fight fire aggressively, right? Watch outs, all that stuff. Oh yeah. No, it's Same awesome, stuff. man. But yeah. So how can we get a hold of you for uh, questions, man? How do we get a hold of you? Uh, yeah. So, uh, probably Instagram would be best, you know, it's, it's smoky underscore the bear and, uh, it's B A E R trademark the other way or as the official one. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to come up with something creative. You know, it was a nickname I got from my buddy's dad back in the day, but, uh, yeah, smoky underscore the bear on the Instagram on there. Try to stay on there as much as I can. Just shoot me a, uh, a private message. If you have any questions, um, you know, please excuse the delay. There's still a lot of people on there who ask me questions. It's hard to come by with everything going on, balancing life with kids, you know, my partner and the job. Absolutely. It's just been, been a wild year, but yeah, I'll be the best way to get that smoky underscore of the bear. Copy that man. So at the end of the show, man, I like to give the opportunity to give, to have you give a shout out to a homie hero mentor, couple of them, whatever you got, man, let it roll. No, I mean, no worries. I mean, there's been a, a couple, um, you know, the, the biggest person in my life is probably my partner. You know, the other half, she stays home with the kids. Um, that's the biggest part was I'd have to say I have plenty of mentors in the fire service and all this can go on, but you know, she keeps me grounded for sure. And she's the one that I, I know that I could come home to, I can rely on. And, um, she's doing a lot of sacrifices when we, you know, going in the military, sitting there with, you know, keeping, keeping the house, man. That's the important half is, this job 
is, uh, as you know, as well, man, it's, uh, it's stressful. The, the emotional toll, regardless of the physical stuff that comes back, but the emotional aspect of having a good home life is, is important. And if you don't have that good home life, things can go a little awry at the work life. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just people in the industry, man, they, you know, that's pretty much my number one. I mean, there's a lot of people who supported me, a lot of sponsors, things like that. But what I could say is number one is, is her, man. So her and the kiddos. It's an important uh, subject right there, man. Cause a lot of times the, the home front bears the burden of fire season, especially for, you know, the, the partners at home. That's uh, definitely a hard, hard and tall order to step into those shoes and deal with it. It is. And we're not, we're not usually the best at it. Um, you know, we're not, we're not always the kindest people when we come off a huge shift. That's the, uh, that's the big thing about it. So you got to figure that out. And that's something that, um, you gotta, <clears throat> there's resources out there. You know, I'm the first one to admit it. I've, I'm going to, for another issue. Um, I mean, there's, there's some things that, you know, I've reached out to the EAP stuff. I reached out to the counselors and therapists that, uh, you know, messes with your head. Some of the things that you see in this career and, uh, those things spill out into your home life. You know, so that's the first thing I'll admit that, you know, I've, I've used the resources given and I'm, I'm going to have to use the resources given as much as I don't want to, as much as I want to be tough and two more chains. But uh, no, man, if I don't, if I don't, um, you know, I, you know, it's going to suffer and I'll, I'll see those negative consequences come, come shortly. So got to figure it out, man. No, gotta figure it out. Dude. Take care of yourself. Well, shit, man, that's some, uh, that's a good ender to the show. And, uh, yeah, I hope that everybody out there utilizes those resources. And, uh, if you guys have EAP, you guys have that with your department. Also, you guys, uh, can swim by the website as well. And I got a huge ass list of resources that are out there just for you guys to utilize. So take that to heart, man. That's a good ender. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you having me on here, man. It's been good. And hopefully some guys and gals see this a little bit and, uh, you know, go from there. Hell yeah, man. Hey, maybe I'll see you at SHOT Show this year. We'll see. We'll see. I hope. I hope so. If it happens. (laughs) I know. If it happens. Well, shit, man. Well, hey, dude, thank you so much for being on the show and I appreciate it. Absolutely, buddy. Right on. Later, guys. All right, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with my good friend, Prene Mungermilani. And dude, sorry, I botched your name. I totally muffed that up on that first intro. My bad, dude. I apologize. Anyways, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, it was very interesting to see what it's like on the other side. And we cleared up some common misconceptions about Cal Fire and how they operate and what they do. And yeah, it's easy to look at the world through lo- like rose-colored lenses and say, oh yeah, the grass is so much greener on the other side, which it has its pluses and minuses, man. And at the end of the day, we kind of concluded, we both concluded that we don't do this job for the paycheck. We do it because we genuinely love it. Could things be better on the uh, federal side? Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I, I appreciate the fact that you're an advocate to see your federal po- counterparts get the uh, pay and the recognition that they deserve. And uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. I never thought I'd hear that out of a Cal Fire employee and that's freaking awesome. So yeah, once again, man, thank you so much. I know it kind of sounded like a, uh, a little bit of a bitch fest, but that was not the intent. Uh, that is not my intent at all. I'm just trying to raise awareness 
we are trying to raise awareness of what really goes on on the line. And it's my humble opinion, my honest opinion that uh, things need to change. Yeah, definitely. And it's even Cal Fire employees, Cal Fire people are saying the same exact thing. We're doing the same exact job and uh, hopefully that will change one day. But Brene, once again, dude, hope to see you again. And uh, yeah, we'll get another episode down the road. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. A little uh, shout out to our sponsors. We got Manscaped. Oh yeah. Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. Trust me. And ladies, this is not just the dudes. Well, it's primarily designed for dudes, of course, but you know what? Don't be hesitant to get one of these for your, uh, your other half there. So yeah, it makes a great gift. We got the ass movement purveyors of the greatest message ever. Even Steve Rinella said, don't poop, don't poop on the surface and not bury it, man. It's disgusting. So keep spreading the word. We got mystery ranch purveyors of the finest firefighting line packs out there. Awesome stuff. And we've got hotshot brewery, arguably the best coffee out there. Even though we talked about black rifle coffee, which actually they know each other, which is pretty cool. Yeah, they're good friends. Anyways, they are kick-ass coffee for kick-ass cause, and well, yeah, you gotta find out for yourself. So swing over there, and we've got last but not least the Smoky Generation. Bethany, keep it up. Anyways, I hope everybody's doing well, and uh, yeah, hopefully the season will slow down. So have fun, stay safe, stay savage. Peace out.